Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotti. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody. It is your good friend, Dr. David Proden from down here in a chilly North Star recording studio. It's a 58-degree brisk temperature right now. We are under an ice storm warning for tomorrow. They already canceled schools around here, so this is crazy. We'll see how things go. I live at the top of a hill, but I have all the supplies I need, and I can stay here as long as I need to, but there's no way I am taking out either vehicle and just down the hill tomorrow if that's the way it's going to be. So tonight we have Josh the Locksmith on, and we're going to be talking about... um, a variety of questions that have to do with security and then also the locksmiths and, and, and the changes. We're going from the traditional key lock, you know, to the digital system. So I noticed that when I was um, out getting my nomination papers for the political position I'm running for, vote for Doc, April 5th, um, you know, I'd go up to people's doors and then there'd be the ring cam and all the electronic stuff. And I'm like, holy smokes, this is kind of fancy. Um, so, yeah, this is awesome. Please share your questions, and I am going to bring Josh into the chat. Hey. Josh, welcome, buddy. How are you doing? I am doing well. So thank you for, for agreeing to be on the show. And let's start out. Um, tell people about yourself. If they want to, you know, learn about Josh, a locksmith, how would they go about doing that? Um, well, I been on my own now for about five years as a business owner and i think that's probably how i identify more so than a locksmith a small a small business owner more than anything okay small and uh what part of the country are you in okay i'm in minnesota and i work mostly in the metro so i'm out of st paul okay st paul um so yeah so you're right in line for some of this terrific weather too so we'll see if it uh, comes through your area or not so um, and well, let's, let's start out. Uh, first of all, locksmith. Um, what is, what does a locksmith do? What is, what's the range of, of that job? Um, well, when you guys make mistakes or break up <laughs> with your boyfriends or girlfriends, we kind of just come clean up, but, uh, we do car keys, we do unlocks and, uh, commercial security hardware, that, that sort of stuff, anything with a doorknob or a push paddle or, uh, even some guys go into maybe the security system type end of it, the electronic type end of it. Uh, but yeah, just what you would expect mostly. But I think people have maybe lost touch with what we can still do since the industry, like all others, has gotten a little bit um, mechanized, I suppose. So for locksmiths, for example, your doorknobs are disposable now. We're 100 years ago. You just had one that would last you a hundred years, right? You know? Right. Okay, so uh, that's a good point. So I watch a lot of um, a lot of shows where they're exploring, you know, like homes from the 1850s, places that are abandoned. Be like, oh, and here's like you know a perfectly good, hmm. you know, door handle set and stuff like that uh, that's still in place. So you said things are changing, and so what you can what you can do, what your capabilities are. So maybe in the last couple of years, what are you finding? People are calling you and say, hey, Josh, I need you to help me out with this. And you're like, 
Um, okay, that's going to be an issue because it's different now. So what might that be? Mm, I think people, there's a lot of sticker shock with car keys. I think a lot of people are riding sure. around with one car key and they don't know that it might be a $400 mistake if they lose it, if you're driving a BMW or something. Uh, so I think people are behind the curve on their automotive security and what that is. And I don't know, there's just the, the biggest thing, the only thing that ever surprises people from, for me is sticker shock with car keys. So, so I get where you're going on this because, um, yeah, I mean, I've got, well, obviously a lot of, um, you know, modern car keys or, you know, the, the car fob type things and, and whatever. So, um, I actually had to change out the cylinder on my 88 LeBaron because it froze up. So I had a, a different key for the trunk versus both of the doors. And uh, so it's crazy, like three keys just to get in the car. But Yeah, uh, that's that's about <laughs> as much as you can have for a car is three that different was, keys. That was crazy. Uh, so so somebody is – so why, did, why does it cost so much? Is it because of the chip or is it something proprietary to GM I, or Toyota or what? Yes. So uh, – well, to start, uh, so one thing that's changed about automotive now is there's a little transponder in your key, and a lot of people don't know that that's hiding in there embedded in the plastic, and that makes it so that whoever's trying to steal your car either requires you to leave it running or they have to have a, um, a computer to maybe program that in and maybe a passcode that they have to buy from somewhere Something like that. It adds another layer of security to it. And I don't know whose idea it was, but I think it's great. I, I think cars are okay. really hard to steal now, actually. Uh, if you really take it yourself, not not the key was left in the ignition for you. Cars are they're kind of hard to steal now unless you have a tow truck. So in my area, I've seen on the news that uh, some people have been going around and they, I don't know, they have some device which mocks the... The, I don't know if it's that the car is sending out a message to the key. So like, let's say I park my car in my driveway and right inside my house, my key is hanging and they're able to pick up the signal and do that. Or, or is that a no? Or is I, I, okay, well, yeah, I would say if you were that smart, you would maybe be doing the white collar crime <laughs> rather than blue collar crime. But um, I, I think it's kind of interesting. The, the, what the, so that's, it's not a thing that that's not a thing that I know of. I've never heard of that. I don't, I don't know. Okay. I, I think that criminals are way more, they, it's all about brute force from what I've seen. I've, I have seen one really, really ingenious break-in that I'll tell you about, a burglary that I'll tell you about, a little mini mastermind story sometime in, okay. in tonight. Okay, yeah, oh, sounds good. And we have, we have uh, so here's how the show is setting up. So, um, yeah, thanks, uh, Toy Town, Andrew, CNT Design, Arms. Hey, caught your show the other day, buddy. Um, Solitude and zippy so uh, we're going to be talking about you know what a locksmith does we already started into that um josh is going to explain uh, home and property security 101 to us um also number three what information is helpful to locksmiths so you're calling and saying hey i can't get into my car i can't get in my house what is the information you need to be gathering and sharing with josh right do you need to take a picture of the lock or you know um about how about your location, like your identity, things like this. Uh, so you can think of think ahead of this. So the next time you're like, hey, I can't find my keys and it's like four hundred dollars probably to get a you know key made up. What do I need to be telling Josh? We're going to talk about uh, pitfalls of hiring a locksmith. 
um, how to avoid scams, what are some things that you can try yourself. So you're like, okay, maybe this will work to get you in all stuff legal, right? You know, not trying to take a brick through your window or anything like that. What are tricks of the trade? And tell us about some of the bad calls. So, so Josh is going to, you know, share. Well, here's a time that was really crazy. Like I showed up and it was in the middle of whatever was going on, right? Um, and what are some things that people should be aware of as they transition from traditional keys, like my 88 LeBaron, you know, three keys to get into it to a digital system. And we see that in homes right now. I have a friend in Alberta. Uh, his home is being assembled with all digital locks. You know, he can control everything from his phone and stuff like that. But what happens if that gets hacked or if that fails? Uh, so, you know, those will be things that we'll be hitting on. And then anything in the chat too that you have that you want uh, to come forward. So, and here's probably our first, um, well, we have a, a couple of questions to come off of the, what does a locksmith do? And let's branch into this one right now. Uh, this is from Andrew to you, Josh. Uh, what was the most expensive stuff, Josh? <laughs> All right. If you want to get into that one to kind of lead us off on a mystery thing, like maybe I, what's the most expensive I, stuff than you? I, I don't look, uh, I don't do a lot of safes, okay. but I've butchered a few and uh, I don't look in them. If I do open them for people, I don't look in them. Uh, I don't oh my know. Goodness. Yeah. Okay, if so I unlock like, it for you, I wouldn't look in it. I would unlock it and I would go. Okay. Without like, so who knows what people have in there? If it's something right. embarrassing, I would never want to really crack it open and something falls out. Oh god! Uh, oh or something goodness. that I shouldn't see. You know, that's like the, the the ultimate fear. You see something you shouldn't, and you don't walk out. Reminds me of the movie uh, The Black Knight uh, Rises, right, with the Joker and the the bank heist uh, theme at the start. So, Andrew, you sound like you want to uh, explore this uh, this criminal side of society a little bit more. So, whoa! Um, so, I think this is a great question, though. This is from uh, Jim McIntosh. Is is it a good paying trade? So, if you go into locksmith, is this something, you know, full time? If it's something you're doing, can you do this also part time? Or yeah, yeah, I like the question because I'm kind of feeling that out yet. Um, so, if you work for yourself, it's just like anything else. It pays. It pays like you're a self employed person. It depends how you run your business. Um, if you work for somebody else, I don't think it pays that good. Uh, it didn't pay good for me working for somebody else. And then it, it depends on when you're working for yourself, so you're getting the better pay, what area of the industry are you in? And then if you're interface, the more you're interfacing with the public or on like a consumer level, like one-to-one -one for car keys or one-to-one -one for uh, unlock, it's not great money, I don't think. Uh, but it gets to be good money uh, when you get into the heavier hardware. Uh, the commercial end of the industry, I think, is better money. So an exit device on, say, a hospital door, if it's if it's an electric hardwired in, you know, automatic door closer, just the door closer might be multiple thousands of dollars. So there's there is some parts of the wow. industry that are good money. The commercial end is good money. The rest of it's I'd say put it with the rest of the trades just right there with what a plumber makes or this is a trade. So how long have you been um, locksmith? Mm. 10 years and then five on my own. Okay. So what got you into it? Like, you know, I, I randomly, I was, I actually am a college dropout and then I was working at a bar and uh, I knew I needed to do something different than just work at a bar. So I was actually turned out to be moonlighting at the bar in the end and then doing a old school apprenticeship during the day. And I worked for, for free for like six months, if I remember right, maybe it was five months and 
then at night I would work at the bar and that's how I learned. So, and then I worked for that, for that business for about five years. So if you want to become a locksmith, you need to do an apprenticeship or, or how do you become a certified okay. locksmith? So, so that goes to state by state deal. So for locksmiths in, I, I don't know, maybe in New York, you need to have a license or California. I'm sure you have to have a license to be anything, right? Sure. So, uh, so probably in California, you have to have a license and you have to have a college degree to get that license. Uh, where I'm at in Minnesota, there's there's nothing. There's no it's and that is why uh, there's since there's no certification for it, that kind of opens the door for uh, the industry to be corrupted a little bit. So that'll be interesting to see. I can tell you how my industry in my state being a non-certified thing. I could tell you a little bit about the bad side of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's, let's do that. Let's branch into that. I'm saying okay, so, because it's so not certified. Yeah. That's two questions at once. Cause you were going to ask me about locksmith scams and there's, there's kind of just one, but it's a big one and anybody can bump into it and it, you, you wouldn't have to be dumb to bump into it. This is a scam that, uh, any, anybody could fall into just basically, uh, the companies that I'm referring to are operate under dozens of names nationwide. And I'm, I'm guessing in more countries than just the States, but we lot us good locksmiths call them 24 seven guys. Cause that's just all their ads are. You'll find 24 seven somewhere in it. Uh, we call them 24 seven locksmiths. So what they do is they'll come and they'll show up for a $15 service call. And when you, your grandma gets let into her house. Uh, they're not just going to pick the lock nicely. They're going to drill the drill the deadbolt, and then then maybe that wasn't even locked. Uh, and then they drill the knob, and then they're charging her three, four times what it might cost. And uh, it, it's bad. They'll, they'll price gouge really hard because the scam is to get get you there, and then not agree on a price, and then maybe even intimidate to kind of crank that price way, 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 way up. And now, now grandma's writing a check for $800 because she's locked out of her house and needed a new doorknob. And that, they, local news stations, every once in a while, okay. if you, your city, whatever your city is, your city locksmith scam, look it up. There's a good chance that a big city by you, every few years, the news does something on them. Uh, but it, the red flag is the low price service call, the 15 or 20 bucks. So the, the trick avoiding the scam is, uh, if it's a pretty standard thing, like an unlock or a key, a key make or something okay. that you feel in your head is pretty simple, then just try and get a, get a set price. Cause we can give you, we can give you a quote or a price for most things. So that's the trick to avoid the scam is you'll never know if you got the good company ahead of time, unless maybe the service calls suspiciously low or they are really reluctant to give you a price ahead of time. And honestly, in my area, the reason I wanted to bring it up was half the numbers on Google right now are scams because these are churn and burn companies. I don't even know how they get them on Google My Business so easily, but they they make dozens of fake companies per city. And there's always old ones getting deleted and new ones getting added. And it's it's all one 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 guy who's got this whole whole thing. It's it, he's really smart. I, I give him credit for it. I, you know, I had no idea that was going on. I had no idea. And it's really? not new. It's like 10, 10, 15 years yeah. now it's been happening. Yeah. Our, our, uh, in my state, like the attorney general even tried to do something about it a few years ago. And I know that cause we had it on like a placard, like the newspaper article in the shop I worked at to try and tell the customers what was happening. But 
it's still happening and they're stronger than ever. So, so if, if I get, so I need to, um, call a locksmith, right? I get, I'm locked out of my house. Um, what can I do to lessen my chances of being scammed? So yeah, yeah be I'm, patient I'm really... and keep your head about you, I suppose, because like today, for example, I was working out in Wisconsin, way out far from my regular area and all those calls that I got, yeah, uh, I couldn't take them because I was just too far away from the cities and those people need to get into their house right then. And so we're all busy and you're just keep, you keep calling the next guy, the next guy. Now you're on your fourth contractor and he says gotcha. he can come. Don't jump at it. Just take a second and get a price, I guess. That's all you have to do. Literally, all you have to do pretty much is try and get a price at a time. That's it. Do, do it's you think it, easy. Would it make sense to... So if they're not willing to give a price where you're like, hey, like I can take a picture of the lock. I mean, so you're not ident- you're not sharing, you yeah. know, identifying These are like, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, scam where they're gonna like really lure you in they're not gonna try that hard so if you just press a little bit with the lady that you get on the phone investigate a little bit you're you're gonna be fine so, it, so you'll, you'll be able to pick them up oh here's the other big thing they have call centers and uh, most locksmith companies are small so it, it's they're like family businesses and stuff if you get a call center that'd be another kind of red flag or if it's a 1-800 I'll, albeit there's a few big nationwide um, franchises, but for the most part, other than maybe two or three nationwide franchises, if it's a 1-800 number or something, that's probably bad. Wow. I just dialed 1-800 Jim McIntosh. He's like, I'll be there in eight minutes, $5. I'm like, whoa, that seems low and kind of fast. Like you shouldn't be that close to my house right now. Jim Mac, who's in the chat, by the way, just kind of busting his chops. But so, so what is, what would be a red flag price if someone is saying I'll yeah, $15 service call, $20 service call. Okay. Yeah. So, Cause I was, when I called bomb fee a few weeks ago, it was 90 bucks, 90 bucks for the service call, mine's 75. So they try and tease you with the service call rate. And that's been their main trick for a decade now. So look out for that. So reasonably something like $75 as a set rate, or would they say it'll be this much or, and it could be higher if it takes me more time or something yeah. like that. But so it, I'm a mobile service. So everything comes with a service call to basically get me to your door, kind of, unless it's a car unlocked and that's kind of like just the service call. But um, w- what I mean by service call is just like any other contractor that does that, just the price to come out. And um, well, I think most of us start around 100 bucks, but those 15 $20 ones are the only ones that are different, and they're the only ones that are scams. So that kind of is what makes them so easy to pick out. Okay. Wow. Wow. Um, let's go into – this is great. Let's go into our second question. So uh, we were talking about what, is, what does locksmith do. We talked about uh, the kind of uh, popular you know, scam that's out there, get a, get a quote. Um, so tell us about home and property security 101. And I, I want to, I, I brought in the property security because um, I have, you know, relatives, you know, who have cabins up north, right? Like a hunting cabin or someplace they go in, in, in summer when the weather's nice and then they lock it up and they're not back there, you know, for a few months. Um, so, you know, what are some of the things we need to think about for home security yeah. and then maybe property security that we're not going to be at? Yeah, um, you know yep. uh, that location um, for so so. What are some things that make us, uh, yeah, less likely to be targets that we fortify better? Or what is some, so, what are some obvious stupid things people do? <laughs> yeah, there's not. It, 
I got a lot of simple answers for simple questions. So deadbolt is that my number one is the first thing that comes into my mind when he asked me, what should I do for security? You'd be surprised. So many people just have a knob or a lever on their house. And, uh, I was, excuse me. I was told when I was learning, excuse me. Yeah. The knob is to kind of just keep the door from blowing, blowing open, even if it's locked. So deadbolt, if you have a door, uh, without, without an additional second lock above your lever, that's bad. A lot of people do. You have to have a deadbolt put on it because if you knew all that was holding your door shut, you'd, you'd want the deadbolt and the deadbolt has to be installed. Right. So it sounds simple and it, it almost sounds dumb to say, but, uh, you want a deadbolt, uh, and you should know you can have those holes drilled in, in and added in. So I can add in a hole above your lever or your knob, and I can put a deadbolt in above that. And if you only had one hole in your door when you bought it, now you got two, and the second one's full of deadbolt. In any case, uh, deadbolt's my big answer. People don't. Some people just don't have one, okay. and you really you you kind of have to. So is that something you would again you would install if someone called you and said? Um, hey, like I've got a, yeah, a simple, you know, uh, turnkey lock and I want a deadbolt. Can you put one of those in for me? Yeah, you can have what I guess my main, my point was if you have a door that only just has that handle, just please know that a locksmith can come and cut a second hole in that door and add you the lock that you need to really keep it shut. So a knob is typically screwed into, uh, or the the latch only grips on to essentially the trim of the door when it's just the lever. So if I was to kick your door in, I'd be on the inside of the building, I'd be kicking the trim off. If I kicked your door in, it would hit the trim, which is just that decorative wood that covers the frame. Right. That's kind of all that is holding your 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 lever. Your, the only bit of latch that's holding your door shut is is gripping into that trim. So uh, the other big tip is when you do get your deadbolt installed, or if you already do, you have to make sure that you have screws connecting that mechanically to the frame of the door. Um, so if you, everybody checks their deadbolt at some point this week, uh, just take one of the screws out of the door jam. You know, the hole in your door yes. jam. Yep. If you take one of those screws out of there that holds that metal strike plate in, look how long it is. If it's, if it's a short little guy, then replace it with a three inch screw that goes into the door frame. So those are my, that's my big one-on-one tip is if you don't have a deadbolt, get it. And if you do have a deadbolt, check that the screws that hold the strike plate to the door jam are three inch screws that are mechanically connected to the door frame rather than simply the door jam or the trim. So got it. That's it. So I, I did that on, on our house. Um, well, you know, we have deadbolts on on the doors, so that's a plus. And, and then, you know, usually the package includes like, yeah, three-quarter inch, you know, screw or something like that. So took it out and put in, you know, two, yeah, three-inch contractor screws that, that went into the frame, you know, the, yep. the stud coming down. So, And if you can remember to drill pilot holes, and if you know what those are, yep. please do that to even execute better. Um, but... What else for break-ins? And you had talked about cabins. So I was just saying for your house, just check out your deadbolt is there and then it has three inch screws holding the strike plate on. So that's the one thing. The second thing you mentioned rural properties and what to do about those. So I don't, 
secure a lot of rural properties, but I do do a lot of stuff in the cities uh, as far as houses, or I don't do a lot of cabins is what I mean to say. And I would think that those would be especially tricky because as to what I know about burglaries is uh, a rural area or not being not having what not having somebody watch you break into a place is obviously what you want right so yeah a cabin's tough because they're just going to come through the windows uh crooks don't like breaking windows in the city to a rate of it's something like one to four so like 75 percent of break-ins are forced through the door and you think wouldn't it be easy to break in through the window because you could just throw a rock through it but they don't like to do it. That's off FBI statistics from a few years ago. I remember looking at it and I was surprised that like a quarter of break-ins are in through the window. And I think a lot of those window break-ins are your rural properties. I don't think, I think it, they, people think it's loud or violent. I don't break a lot of glass, but I, so I don't really know how violent or loud it is, but um, if for your rural property, my recommendation would be pay extra attention to the windows because I feel like in a rural setting, they're extra likely to get hit. And then obviously you still need the deadbolt that I had mentioned. I know it might sound dumb, but a lot of people don't. And uh, I could kick you in your door if you don't have a deadbolt and I'm pretty weak for a man. (laughs) So get, get that done. Got it. So, so getting the deadbolt um, and Let's go. How about, um, you know, like someone has their, their bike. Okay. I'm going to say me, I bike. Right. So, um, you know, what is, what's a good way to secure, you know, uh, like a bicycle, you know, or your kid's bicycle or something like that. I think the people that secure their stuff at all stand up, uh, stand up above the crowd. So I think if you're securing your stuff at all, you're already doing good. I will say for bike locks, Uh, When I worked at the shop, people would bring them in sometimes. And I'd say the nicest ones that I never worked on because they were just kind of too intricate and fancy. And they were essentially totaled the minute that they were broke because on top of being nice, they were also affordable. Maybe being a, I don't, have you heard of the kryptonite locks? Yes. Yeah. Those ones are nice. Okay. I I thought that those ones were nice. And then I would recommend the ones that aren't necessarily a chain. Those U locks look like they'd be look like they take a bigger tool to cut than a chain. Okay. I'd say whatever's harder to cut because they're so going to cut that's not, it. not a chain. Okay. Is there, is there any like um, strategy to like, you know, disguise your stuff or like. Yeah, to... for sure there is. So for my house, I've, I'm a proud, uh, I've never been broken into at my house yet. And uh, mine is, it, if you drive by it, it's like the well-lit compound. Like if you drive by my house, the lights turn on and it's bright. And I like that because I have my whole business in my van. And if anybody goes and breaks in, I could be put out of work for a couple weeks, depending on what tools go missing. Um, so I am always worried somebody's coming for my stuff. And uh, I, I like lights. Uh, I like sirens. If you have a loud siren and a loud light, uh, I, it's... I wish it wasn't all so obvious, but there's not much else to it. So right. get yourself a light and get yourself a siren uh, and look poor. It's, you, <laughs> right. I, that sounds like a joke, but it's really not. If you look, if you don't have flashy stuff all over, you you want to be the you don't want to be the shiniest thing to take. Is all. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. So when you say lights, you're saying like motion sensor. Lights, I have right? motion sensor lights. I love them. Yeah, yeah. And mindset. 
so like I have a constant on, and then it'll power up brighter with oh, motion. Okay. That I, so I like that I got lucky to have that. When when I had our house uh, remodeled uh, exterior about 10 years ago, I, I ordered these big uh, three light complexes. <laughs> well, I mean, three. The, it, it has um, three floodlights in each one. So, and they're up at different parts of my house and at the peak of my garage. So when that gets triggered, like the entire like area out to the road gets lit up and it, it's pretty amazing. Cause like on Halloween, I live in town and when I throw that on, like it kind of lights up the neighborhood and stuff yeah. like that. But for us, I wanted, I wanted it for security. Um, yeah. I, I knew that I had that opportunity and I went specifically in, in order that. Um, so where, where do you fall on, um, in, a, in addition to, you know, lights and sirens of having, you know, cameras, do you think like if a, a potential intruder sees a camera, right, that they're less likely to... Yeah, for sure. I think cameras are a visual deterrent, uh, but I don't rely on them to offer justice. I I think maybe now that's changing, that cameras are getting better and better, and maybe you can get a clear face shot, or you can get a license plate from your garage to the street. Um, maybe cameras are getting better, and they're becoming like realistically a helpful tool, but other than being a visual deterrent, I, I don't see cameras saving the day and bringing justice home, I um, unless you're lucky enough to get a real clear shot of a license plate or a face or something. But I... I, I love cameras for security. I don't sell them, but uh, I, any visual deterrent is good. Yeah, camera is good just to okay scare so, people. So recapping, and I've seen this, um, you know, like I'll be out biking and stuff, and they'll be at the end of a property, and there'll be a sign like, you know, there are cameras from all the way down this road. So, you know, if the closer you get to the house, like the more time we have to prepare, I'm like, okay, I'm not, we'll drive down this road. But uh, um, so cameras... Don't put anything flashy out, you know, lights to turn on, um, sirens and right. Because I, because I think what you're saying is like, you want to, you want to be more of a risky or bothersome target than somebody else. I mean, which is kind of what's happening, right? I mean, is, is if, if someone is considering, oh, I can, I can break in here, um, and then how about, how about like people that put their cars like out in the road or out in the driveway, like what's, what is the the best advice to not get up in the morning and find your window smashed out. And yeah. It, so if you go to 10 of your friends' houses, you'll walk inside without thinking that that door looks like a pain to get through. And this next one looks easy to get through, but I look at it. And my first thing that I think of is, Oh, I hope they don't call me to unlock their house. That looks, <laughs> that looks tough. Okay. Uh, so it, it doesn't take much to, to be, to, uh, to be tougher than your neighbor. Uh, so like I said, I know that stuff sounds so dumb and simply like I didn't need the locksmith on here. Tell me I need a deadbolt. Thank you. But it really does make a difference to people that know what they're looking for. If, if, if you do a couple little extra things to show that you care about your home security and that doesn't have to be your locks, that can be any of what we had just talked about, but it does make a big difference to me as somebody that unlocks houses. If you have an updated lock set, it, it might actually be harder to pick. It might actually be harder to get through than something that maybe is a little bit more outdated. So if any little effort to put, a little more security into your entrances is it's noticed by people who care about it. 
Um, okay. It might look the same to you, but it is important and it's easy to do. So Josh, this was, um, I took this picture uh, two weeks ago. I'm going to bring it up. This is somebody in my neighborhood. Um, and so let me, let me share it here. So, all right. So this is someone in my neighborhood. So left door is wide open. It's like 15 degrees outside. And, yeah. and it was this way for, and so there's no, right. So I can see that no one has driven in their driveway. Their door is wide open. Um, this is not an abandoned house. You know, this is, I'll tell you what happened. I know what happened right now by looking at it. Okay. Uh, so somebody left the house in a hurry. They shut the door behind them. They heard the door slam and they kept walking straight to the driveway to their car. Little did they know the door didn't latch behind them. And as they pulled away for the day, they left not knowing that latch didn't really click into the hole in the door jam and the wind took her open. That's my guess. It is but, exactly uh, what happened. As the seasons change, those uh, the frame around that door, that wood frame, I don't know if it's the humidity or the temperature or both, yeah. but as, as that fluctuates, that, that messes with people. That actually happened to me this winter. I was doing that exact same thing when I didn't lock my deadbolt, which I tell you to do. Okay. So what you said is right on. Um, I have been watching it, and then one of my neighbors finally went over and was just kind of yelling and stuff, and then he closed it. And then the next day, um, I was talking to the neighbor, and he's like, yeah, it happened like twice now. I thought it was closed, but it, it's not. <laughs> like, yeah, so okay. tell me he needs to file out his strike. That hole in the strike plate just needs to be a little wider, one way or the other. He'll hit it with a file, and his sorrows will be over. His, yeah. So his, his uh, furnace was probably very angry because yeah. it was, I mean, I'm like, oh, this is, this is crazy. Um, hey, that's another thing I could m maybe mention. If you have a drafty door, um, that metal plate that your locks bite into when the door shuts, the metal plates that stay inside of the door jam, um, the, those are what you can move in and out to, to take that draft away so if you have the drafty door you could just move that little plate in tighter or whatnot to get rid of that draft i didn't know that yeah that's what it is so if you want your door to shut a little tighter that latch that you know your the latch for your knob just i'm not explaining it am I? no you got it no i got it and here's another question i have for you would do you think a, a knob a turn knob is better or worse than um, like a pull down lever. So because, for handicap, yeah. for ADA stuff, for commercial properties, if you have the choice between a knob and a lever, normally you may not in a commercial property. The levers are better better for for handicap access. Um, yeah, but other okay. than that, it don't matter. Okay. So I give you a call. Um, I'm locked out of my, let's, do you get more house or car calls? Car. Okay, car. So I'm locked out of my car. Um, I'm calling you. What information that I give you is most helpful to you, whether it be like my location or the type of car or you, you, you have all of your equipment with you, but how, how can I help you? So somebody listening, this happens to Robert Ribbit Harrison, who did the cannonball run in Connecticut three years ago. And he's like, the car is running. 130 proof octane. I got to get back in it. But what what should I tell you to help you? Um, I, I just like a solid location. I don't care if it's your GPS coordinates or the address, but there is a 
generation past that likes to give directions based off landmarks and turns. What? And I don't operate well with those directions. So just give me your address and help me find it is all. That's all. So does anybody call and say like, uh, okay, like my GPS is in my car. So what am I, is there something that like on Google Maps, like on their phone that they go to and they're like, I'm not sure where I am exactly. Yeah, you like can drop a pin, drop me a pin or something that, yeah. Um, no, I don't, it's all I, all I ask people really over the phone is I might kind of test them to see if I think it might be kind of shady. I might ask a few test questions to maybe feel that out, but no, I, I really just need to know where people are. And then if they have a problem, I like to find out what the problem is to try and give them a quote ahead of time. Cause I don't like to have a, a disagreement on what the price is after the fact. Um, okay. But maybe just your location and a good description of your problem. If, if it's, if you would like an accurate quote. Got it. Um, okay. So what are some things somebody can try themselves? So I, I know that's like a bad business model because you're like, here, I'll talk you through no, a couple of things you can try. And they're like, whoa, okay, it opened. Great. And then the phone hangs up. But what are maybe some things that as people panic and you're like, okay, did you try, could you try this? Like yeah, maybe one uh, or two. Here's a funny one. Um, what is it? I've had people call because um, if you can't get your key out of the ignition, the battery might be dead. Or if, if it won't start and it's not in park or something, or the neutral safety switch failed. Or uh, I think uh, there's more dumb mistakes with automotive. Maybe you, uh, what's another one with automotive? If the steering wheel's locked and the key won't turn in the ignition, it can be you just have to kind of crank the steering wheel to let some you know relieve some pressure off that lock inside there uh so a lock steering wheel can mess with people a lot um uh, you try that uh, ice locks if you if your locks iced up and the key won't turn that's a super easy one to fix um brake cleaner anything uh, anything violent anything corrosive is great for kind of de-icing okay um, like WD-40 maybe or not? I, I go harder than that. I like brake cleaner, carb cleaner. And, okay. and you can, if it's, if you have a sticky lock to really flush it out with something uh, tough and then you could lubricate it after with, uh, with whatever you'd like. Sure. So we have a question from uh, Martin Kaminsky. So Martin is saying, ask Josh about sliding glass doors. The older ones uh, used to be able to, you know, lift up and off the latch, even if it's locked. So, yeah, I have sliding glass doors on my house, so I'm interested about this. Uh, is there a trick with sliding glass doors or a different way you approach those? That's a good question. There's So there's one style of lock you can get for about 15 bucks, and that's a pin that goes – when your sliding glass door is shut, the center – the center the, – the two pieces should kind of come and overlap, right? Right, right. Oh, there's a pin that goes right through the two of them. And that can maybe that should keep it from lifting. So there's a lock, there's a lock that's a pin that holds door one and door two together by driving a pin straight through them. And I would assume that would stop you from being able to lift it enough. Uh, okay. But that's the kind of stuff that really works, Martin. The lifting attacks and the kicking attacks and the forcing and the brute force is is where 
you kind of have to start relying on your sirens and your lights and your cameras because there's not a whole lot I can do. If someone wants to force through a glass door in a way like that, there's just limits. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about, um, what are some tricks of the trade? Uh, what are some tricks of the trade? The credit card trick to get through. If you, if you just have the knob or the lever, if you, if you've seen people use a credit card to Jimmy the latch, right. That works a lot of times. <laughs> it really does, but don't use your credit card or your ID cause you'll ruin it. Um, use, uh, the biggest piece of plastic you can find. I use ones that are kind of specially made for it, but that is, you don't need that. Uh, use a piece of like a four by six piece of plastic, a thin one, like a top of a five gallon bucket or something. I don't know, maybe even thinner than that, but yeah, use that, find a nice big flat piece of plastic. That should help you break into most of the stuff you want to get into. I don't know. The, the cre- I mean, the credit card trick works good, and it works pretty often. So find a nice big piece of plastic, and you have your first lock pick. Um, what else? Opening cars. You can. Most people are able to open their cars on their own, and they don't realize that. Okay. That there's always a mechanical egress, right? So if your car is on fire, you you're not the the manufacturer can't rely on you to find the electric switch, hit the electric switch. And then go and operate the door. They have to make it so you just, it's its usually like a single motion egress out of a car. So when you're trying to get into your car, think about the, the, the simplest motion to open that door um, is what I recommend. So maybe don't aim for the little unlock button that you hit with your finger when you're sitting down. Right. Think about the bigger, the broader movement. Uh, if you're trying to pop your own car open, the that uh go for the go for the handle if you're gonna unlock a car go for your door handle okay more a lot of times i don't know they're all different i wish i could give you tips I, here's one go on amazon everybody tonight and get the uh, uh, air wedge and um a big big one of the big stick tools to unlock your cars i use those for 90 percent of cars and then i'll throw in a slim jim just because slim jims are even easier than that if it's the right car but go on Amazon, get an air wedge, and then the long hook tool, or they're, you know, get a big long metal stick that comes with an air wedge, and you'll be able to do 90% of cars with that. I think you can get a nice set for 50 bucks, and if you use it once, it pays itself off. So, so how do you keep it so it's not in the car? So you're like, you I've got it, it, but it's in the car. Tape it to the top here. of the car. I don't. I mean, for your house. I mean, for well, your for house. I think people should have them at their house. There's a lot of un- car unlocks will happen at your house and some of them won't but um yeah i think it's just a tool people should have that they don't and i lucky for me they don't but it's so cheap it's 50 bucks it's 50 bucks for okay. a, uh, get an air wedge and the long stick a long air. metal stick it i don't know what they call it it's just a metal stick the long air reach wedge. tool or yeah i think everybody should have that at least a car unlock tool for their house i see uh robert ribbard harrison who says i have that kit so, yeah. Robert, if you can post the link to that um, for everybody else, that would be awesome. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, you can get the tools. So, it, but I should caution: in my state, there's, you have to be, you have to be trying to do something illegal to have the tools be illegal. 
But in other states, it might not be the case. I think maybe just possessing unlock tools some places is bad. So I don't know about car unlocks. Car unlock tools might be different than lock picks. But I know some states, you, you're not supposed to have lock picks. Like it's illegal just to have them. Not in my state, but in other states it can. Okay. So, so yeah. So make sure, yeah, you're not, you know, driving around or, or have like your own supply of lock picking stuff um, without. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, I mean, it's interesting, right? Cause you said in, in Minnesota, you, to be a locksmith is there's nothing. There's not a license, right? There's, or an ID card or anything for that. Like a, not a registry of saying I'm a member of the locksmiths. I've paid my dues. Yes. And so we kind of regulate our own industry. So if somebody thought I was a bad person, the only way I would get shut down is if my, the businesses around me kind of told my, my wholesale distributor that, Hey, don't sell to this guy, which actually when I started my own business, they tried to have the wholesale distributor not sell to me. And well, that didn't work out for them. They sell to me, but uh, yeah, I, we kind of regulate ourselves a little bit, uh, but no, there is really no regulation. The only regulation we have is amongst ourselves. Okay. Wow. Wow. So um, I'm waiting if, if Robert or maybe Vanessa can put a link to um, to some of the, the zip strips and, you know, what, what you were sharing. When I was able to get into my vehicle by using yeah basically wire right i mean this was, this was like 30 years ago like a piece of a piece of i was out at the farm and I, a piece of fence wire and i was able to loop it around my my handle i think sneak it in through the door and, and within 30 minutes get myself out um when i was i get into my vehicle and get myself out of the farm but when i was in college i mean back then right i mean it was just a simple turnkey no deadbolt no nothing and uh and we got locked out so many times that one of my roommates is like, well, here, like, here's what a rake is. And I didn't know what a rake is, but it's a, it's a tool, right? A basic locksmith tool. This is back in the nineties. And he's like, here, just put it in. And a couple of times and the lock will probably open. And it did like, so if you ever get like, you know, get caught out, well, I'll put it up above here on the, the sill. Um, so I was able to learn that. Um, but yeah, so Basic trick. So having these devices and is there, I, I guess, is there anything else of like how to get in or. I have really easy homework for people. So I guess to go back, make sure you have three inch screws holding your strike plate on for your deadbolt. Uh, right. We talked, that was my one-on-one tip is make sure your deadbolt strike plate has three inch screws. Um, then next, get yourself your car unlock tool off Amazon, your air wedge. And then that, long reach tool um so maybe you have that around and it, like i said if you can pay 50 bucks for it roughly it pays itself off in one use i'm so surprised more people don't have those okay um what else is there there's nothing no good tip nothing real easy off the top of my head um what most of my unlocks happen or a lot of house unlocks happen with house sitters and stuff uh, so if you have a house sitter, maybe know that might be a thing. Throw a spare key out because they might lock themselves out. That happens a lot. Dog sitting and house sitting okay. um, causes a lot of lockouts, actually. So have a solution. Have a solution in place 
for not just for you to get back into your house, but maybe for somebody else when you're not there. Some people don't think about. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Knox casing homes. So yeah, I'm not casing homes now. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. So I had uh, yeah, that was my the video was one of my neighbors' their house, and yeah, that was a faulty lock. I also had a situation where my my neighbor's smoke alarm was going off for like an hour. Yeah. And not the same place, but um, and um, it was in summer, and I'm looking at the house, and the windows are open. I'm like, oh, there's no smoke. I used to be a firefighter, and I'm looking at the second floor. I'm like, oh, the smoke would be venting from there. So I'm like, what is causing that though? Like, what is going on? And uh, finally, they all know it just stopped. But <laughs> maybe I should have done more. That but happened to like, me last <laughs> summer when my neighbors refinished their floor, and it was like the fumes from finishing the floor set the smoke alarms off, and. Uh, and nobody was home. It was a house they were flipping. And I was like, what do I do? Do I, I kind of peeked in the windows a couple times to make sure nothing was on fire. But yeah, that happened to me not, okay. long, not long ago. Oh, God. Neighbor's yeah. house was going off. I was, you know, I was thinking, yeah, I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, I'll just like hang. I think I, I pull out my lawn chair and I'm just kind of, you know, just watching and yeah, and I'm ready to call 911 or, you know, no one was over there, but, but everything was okay. But uh, yeah, I had my garden hose ready to go. But, uh, oh, God. So um, so tell us about, and I'm sure there's been a number of these, but some of the craziest calls you've been on. And I just, yeah. I want to preface, like, when you mentioned this to me, I'm thinking, I'm guessing it's maybe like domestic disputes or something where you, you show up and there's like multiple people there and they're like, unlock the door. Don't unlock the door. Who is this guy? I don't know. Or what, you know, or things like that. Or is it just like, it's like a haunted house and they're like, you go in there and you're like, oh my God, what's going on here? Or what are the craziest calls you've been on? So with domestics, it's, um, men never call me. Men either, I, I don't know, they, may, they must swap their own locks or not worry about it but with the domestics it's it's always women wanting me to lock it up um that's kind of interesting now that i think about it i just never have guys worried about women that's that's our maybe the one little bit of privilege i'll recognize uh so here's that women are the only one that call me for domestic stuff most of the time um, okay and those are those are yeah i don't like that uh I do a lot of domestics. I do a lot of the bank owned stuff. I've had to kick people out or be there when the cops are kicking people out. Uh, so I, I learned that renting is tough. Renting is tough to get, to, to get people out when they're not paying. I learned a little bit about that. It looks like it's hard to kick people out when they're not paying is what it looks like from my, my position. I don't know. I try to get in and get out and I don't mess with people too much. I, I don't want to know the story. I don't want to know the domestic. <laughs> right. I don't want to know it. I just want to do my job and go. Uh, so, what, so what's been a situation where, where, yeah, you, you got brought in and you're like, Oh God, this is like way crazier than. I Well, than sometimes I people think I am the, like the, the, like I'm the sheriff. I am not okay, there right. to take your tenant out. Uh, the sheriff comes and does that and I'll follow behind. Uh, but were you asking me about awkward, what awkward there were, I just, the only awkward stuff for me is when people tell me their story and I, I'm just there to work and no disrespect, uh, but I, I just want to work and go. Yeah, no, that, that makes, that makes sense. Cause I can, I can imagine people just as you said, as soon as you arrive, there's some position of, 
right authority and you have the capability to yeah. access the house and suddenly they're like, okay, you know, and the, it, you're kind of like, yeah, and I don't, I don't want have a badge authority. on, I'm not a no. sheriff. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, steel keys would wear the brass parts out. So it has to be brass on brass, brass keys for brass locks. Okay. Brass keys, brass locks. This is Jim otherwise the steel would wear out the brass. Got it. Uh, Sorry, we were talking about crazy calls, or right? Yeah. So I did a drug. I, w I broke into a drug house once. It was okay. supposed to be foreclosed. Um, and well, we went in there, and it, it smelled like pot. We thought somebody was squatting in there, and maybe they had just smoked. Uh, well, we we opened it up, and our job was just to make the key for the real estate guy. And, and it turned out that it was being squatted in, and they were cooking, weighing, packaging crack on the main floor, as well as that being what looked like kind of a daycare slash crack house. And then the top floor was, they were growing weed. Um, and then the basement was maybe where people would just do drugs and sleep. It was disgusting. Uh, so I broke into a drug house once that was kind of scary because all the pot plants were like almost ready for harvest. So you're standing in between somebody and their payday Four closed houses, scare the crap out of me. Okay. I always get bad vibes in them. They're creepy. And there's squatters. I hate going into foreclosed houses. They always creep me out. It's like it's like there's it's like all joy has left the home. Every time you go to a foreclosed house, it's gross. And I, in those cases, some of those places have been like beat up pretty bad, right? Yeah. Like people smashing the drywall and stuff like this. Yeah. And so it's, you're you're coming this, in there and you're like, ah. yeah. This job has made me not want to be a landlord ever, even right. though I feel like I might want to be. But this job has made that look really. Like a really tough, like a really tough gig to be a landlord. I I just see a lot of disrespect on the rental yeah. sides. I've yeah, I've I've seen that too. I have a friend that's a landlord and said, yeah, you know, if you go through a foreclosure, kicking somebody out, you know, <laughs> concrete down the toilet and stuff like this, it's just you know busted in drywall. And uh, so we have a question from New York Outcast. He's saying, uh, what if I need a nice car rekeyed in the middle of the night in a shady neighborhood? Like, yeah. what's your advice? Well, there? you're not going to be able to afford that key, but uh, that's a, so he's he's asking me if, if somebody's going to steal it. I don't know. Uh, I, I've how do I avoid scams or how do I avoid stealing things for people? I really don't. I go with my gut. Uh, the time I used to, when I first started, I used to ask for IDs uh, more often right. than I do now. Um, and so I had, I had got this guy's ID and a squad pulls up in the driveway. I'm unlocking his house and it, his address matches ID. <laughs> right. Well, the neighbor lady knew he wasn't supposed to be there, but I didn't. And so she called the police cause he was going through a domestic and he wanted his stuff out and his okay. wife had locked him out. So boys, if you get into a domestic, your keys are going to get changed. Just know that. Right. That happens right. ASAP. Uh, but yeah, so that was one, that was when I pretty much just stopped asking people for their IDs then I was like, this is stupid. doesn't even matter if their address is supposed to be there because they could have ID that says that and they can, they're not supposed to be in that property legally, even though they have the ID. So that don't matter to me. And then the other side of that is what if, what if you're, what if you're out of town and you got your nice car stuck in the street, but your house sitter says it's going to get towed. I need to make you a car key now and you're out of state. And now right. I got to do with your house sitter I don't know people can make up all kinds. If someone wants to trick me, you probably can, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll snitch on you if it ever, if the cops ever ask me, just so you know, but no, you could trick a locksmith. I, there's not, there isn't okay. 
there isn't a lot of uh it brings bad luck if you do yeah you could trick me i i maybe i have been tricked before but wow. i don't think so cnt designs is uh it creates things um you know with his plasma burners and stuff i don't know if he'd be making locks or not but uh that's it's interesting josh you mentioned that because um i i wasn't I didn't know until we talked like that. I thought there were probably several layers of authentication, right? You'd have to go through um, to prove, right? This is my house. I mean, I'd, right. Like I'm thinking if I got locked out, you know, I'd be like, I probably wouldn't have my wallet. Like, you know, I'd have to describe yeah. stuff inside the house. Yeah. Be like, once we get in there, if you turn around the corner, there'll yeah. be this. And, and, it's, and life's just not that clean. You know, you're going to okay. get locked out of stuff that's not yours and you're going to have to get in. You're going to have to get into a place that might not be yours, but it's locked. So life's not just clean where you're going to have an ID for every place you're locked out of that has an address on it. So I've had to just try and learn to go with my gut and take risks and it could come back on me. Maybe. Is there some point when you're just like, okay, here's the deal. Like, let's just, the best way to get you in is either to what? what drill out this lock or, I mean, I, I guess what are the most extreme measures if you're like, okay, here's the deal. Like we've got to do this. Um, what, and then can you, do you automatically replace a lock then? So someone's like, okay, great. Like you just drilled out my lock and now like you're driving away and I have no lock on my front door or, you know, what, I guess what is, what is kind of these, these worst case scenarios people can run into. And then you're like, okay, here's, a, here are your options. You can do nothing or like I can bring out the drill and, uh, well, it's uh, for a house unlock. Yeah, the worst case scenario would be you replace it. Uh, but like I said, they're so cheap now, they're almost disposable to start. Uh, but if, um, if you're talking about a hospital or a school, those locks are much more expensive. Uh, I yeah. missed that question again. Were we talking about house unlocks? What's the worst thing that can happen is you call the scam people. It's the only bad thing that can happen. I think if they were if they were to say okay like we're going to we can't just I guess pick the lock right we're going to have to actually drill out the lock I and, do that all the time yeah okay so that's maybe like a common thing so if someone's telling you oh we're going to have to smash a window you'd be like can't you just drill out the lock like don't smash out the window yeah no you should never probably break a window unless it's a Range Rover then maybe but okay. um <laughs> right Wow. There's not a whole lot of bad things that can happen. My job is pretty simple. If you think you're getting scammed, you're probably getting scammed. There's, It's, it's easy. If you need me to come pick your lock, I'll come pick it. If I got to drill it, I might drill it, but it's not a big deal. It's another 20 bucks or something. Um, yeah, that residential stuff in the automotive, there's just not much to it. I, I want to I want to be want to have more for you, but there's just nothing there for, for residential and automotive. We covered it. Is, is there something, I mean, like if I had access to my drill, like if you just drill down the center of a lock, is that going to drill out the, the core and you'd be able to open it? Is that how that typically works? Or So how you drill a lock is you drill the shear line um, and you just basically separate the pins from the rest of the lock. So usually you drill right above the key to drill a lock. Okay. And... Um, there's if you count the grooves on your key there's five or six and that's the yes. number of pins to drill through so you count you count those pins as you hit them and you can feel your drill skip into them okay yeah i never thankfully i've never had to try to do that on my house but okay uh jim mcintosh is saying lock the icer with graphite for the win so my question um is especially 
you know, tomorrow we have icing around here and things like that. But in how do you um, lubricate a lock without gunking the lock up, I guess, whether it's a door okay. lock or I think a car lock? Graphite is the gunk of all gunks. Okay. So I wouldn't put Jim. that in there, Jim. Okay. But anything else, pretty much. Uh, I Like I said, if you're going to get, if you want to free a lock up, put the most kind of corrosive, nasty stuff in it to get the job done quick. Brake cleaner or carb cleaner to clean it out. And then I would lubricate it after with a with a lubricant or just throw a lubricant in the start if you only have that. Gotcha. So um, give us give us one more story of of just something well, great. Yeah. Let me get a few. Well, maybe all I have for you stories tonight as far right. as no, this is great. I, so I, I've I I've been run off on by the only scam. I've been scammed by my customers. I've had people drive off with keys. So I've chased people through the hood in the middle of the night on the phone with the cops, like trying to keep up with them. Uh, I've chased people down that tried to rip me off. Uh, I had a lady, I had a customer pee out. She was a she and she peed out of the passenger seat while I was making her car key. Uh, that happened once. This was just working in the city for, with what else? Um, my, my most ingenious break-in that I saw is my favorite. This is my favorite. This is the only, this is the coolest break-in that I that I saw. The guy broke a window to a shared basement with between these businesses. And once he got into the shared basement, he met a locked door. Well, he just cut the sheetrock in the basement. He just cut the sheetrock through the wall and he went up the stairs. Instead of going through the door, he just had a sheetrock knife and he cut a hole and the sheetrock went up the stairs. And then the next door he got to, that locked from the other direction. And so that was open to him. So now he's had to break one window and cut one piece of sheetrock. And he's in this bar. Okay. Now he's in this okay. bar. And the office door to get into your office is, if you have an interior door, it might feel a little lighter. They're hollow. He just booted that in. So to get to this safe now, he's had one thin layer of old glass. Right. <laughs> one layer of sheetrock. Uh, one unlocked door, one hollow door that he kicked in, and he was left with the safe. Now, the safe in that restaurant was, wasn't their permanent one yet, and uh, they, he only had to cut through like a, a thin layer of steel to cut a hole in their safe. And I, keep, I always think about stacking. If you think about the material that he had to pass through to get into that safe, it was nothing. He took the, <laughs> right. the path of least resistance and he went in the basement window and then through sheetrock, through an unlocked door, and through a hollow door that he kicked open. And I thought there's, there was no other way for him right. to, to like reduce the amount of material he had to go through than that. It was perfect. I thought that that was the funniest thing that I had seen, how ingenious that was. He picked out the thinnest surfaces to get through and got right to the safe. That is that is hilarious. And so in my book, uh, School of Errors, that I wrote and published in 2019, uh, so when the the new Freedom Tower was being built after you know the um, destruction of Towers 1 and 2 in New York, the trade towers. Uh, there was, you know, all this hyper security, right, as they're building the Freedom Tower. And there was a kid from New Jersey who wrote about it in my book, right? So a kid from New Jersey, a teenager, who was able to watch the um, security team for a couple days. And he basically thought, I bet I can get to the top of the New World Trade Center. 
like without anybody discovering me, not yeah. to vandalize or anything. I just, I bet I can do it. So he snuck in at night and he was able to get all the way to the top and they didn't find him until the next day. And then he gave his side of the story saying, really like it was, I went through signs, but I didn't have to break locks. I didn't have to do anything. Um, once I got onto the premise, it was just easy to get up. So I was just, you know, kind of taken back and so taken back that I took notes on it and, and put it in the book of how, you know, we think we can fortify systems that are impenetrable and there's always these kind of weak areas that we don't think about. Yeah. Um, it, your weak areas, in my opinion, are your people. When we're talking about big buildings like that, I think the weakest area in any building security is its people because when that place is open for business during the day and all those doors are unlocked, the only thing to keep people out of most of those areas is the employees, right? And I am kind of in the habit of walking into whatever room it, they need me to, to go into, whether that's a secure area or a non-secure area. And I don't, I just kind of walk where I please. I don't care if a room says restricted, don't go in here because like those are the rooms that people need me on the most, the ones that are the most important to keep locked. So I'm used to being in the restricted areas. And I, I, I kind of, I'm confident when I'm walking around in there with a tool bag. So I think if you have a tool bag in your hand, that makes you a dangerous man because people think that you right. belong there. And nobody ever stops and asks me. I can count on one hand over 10 years. Who stopped and asked me what I was doing if I was breaking into a car, I was breaking into a house, breaking into a business. I bet you maybe five people over 10 years have stopped and said, hey, excuse me, what are you doing or who are you or what? Nobody does that. So I think if if you are interested in improving the security somewhere where you work, maybe the biggest thing you could do is be a Karen. Be a, Everybody's afraid to be a Karen and nobody stops me. I could go anywhere, do anything. Nobody stops me. So be Josh, Karen and be and, and be on top of be on top of people if you care about it. No, I love that. And um, so I teach uh, superintendent legal courses. Um, so uh, you know, three courses a year, and I show a video that's on YouTube, and I don't have it available right now, but it's easy to find. It's it's some dude with a ladder, and his experiment was if I carry this ladder. How many places will just let me in if I say yeah. I'm supposed to be here? And so he'd go to a bank, he'd go to like a theater, he'd be in a boat. And all he had to say was, I'm here, you know, and, and then he would just kind of leave it open. If they would ask a little more, he'd be like, um, like at the theater, like, okay, it's a cinema four. And they're like, no, we don't call our cinemas that. There's a cinema like, you know, zebra or something. He's like, I think that's the one. There's like a light out. And they're like, yeah, it's about what. And they showed him that. So this was amazing. Um, if you come in, right, and, and you you pose as if you're supposed to be there and you have the, you know, even the basic equipment, people are just like, okay, he knows what he's doing. He's supposed to be here. Don't mess with him. And, um, and, and so in school safety, what I, you know, my years in school safety, I would run these, I don't know what we call them, a certain type of drill, but like with administrative assistants, I'd be, you know, at the front of the middle school. So somebody comes in and says, I'm here and I need to look at your HVAC stuff. I'm here from Johnson Controls. And then, of course, you know, they weren't. They were just somebody, you know, that we had that came in and, and asked that. Yeah. And so then, you know, the 
office person was supposed to say, okay, like I need to see some identification or they would just pull off the website, you know, like uh, Gerald, your business or your buildings and grounds person asked me to come over here. So I need to know where the you know panels are or something. So if you could yeah. show me. And, and so we did that. I mean, now whether how that would work in an authentic event, I don't know if they would follow through with it, but yeah, it is amazing. So I'll have to find that video sometime. Yeah. But um, if you look the part, and there, there's been a lot of research on this. I think it was going back to the Milgram experiment back in the 60s. If if you look like you're an authority, people just be like, okay, boom. And it probably is something when you approach, like you probably have your vehicle well marked, I'm guessing. As I, I, that reminds me of another story. I was asked to repo a Hummer, and it was fight night at this bar. And the lady says, hey, I'm going to get this car towed back to my automotive shop uh i know where it is i'm gonna have it towed back i said i'll just repo it i'll make you the key and i'll save you the tow and it'll be an easy car to do well this one i did differently and i figured i'd i wouldn't want my van and all the flashy light all the bright lights i wouldn't want to draw attention so i'll park a little bit further away i had a lettered van parked a little bit a few spots over and uh, I went to I went to do this key for this Hummer, and um, I was trying to do it sneaky this time. And when I was trying to be sneaky, the cops got called. People stopped asking me what I was doing. <laughs> okay. The time I was trying to be sneaky was the time that I, that people noticed that something wasn't right. And four squad cars pulled up, two from each side, and they were like, what are you doing? And I had a, the biggest vice grips you can have, which is right. about the same color as a stainless steel slide. Right. So I right. like, I dropped it. Uh, so I had a couple squads pull up on me thinking I was trying to steal this car and I was, but legally right. trying to steal it for the owner. Um, but, but back to what you were saying just a second ago, I wanted to tell you my favorite as a locksmith, my favorite crime movie, burglary movie is called it's, it's Casper car. If you search that Casper with a C, C-A-R-R, his last name, his first and last name. There's a movie about a guy who's a burglar, and it's like a mockumentary. And I thought that was the most accurate burglar movie that I've ever saw, and I liked it. So as a, if anybody wants to see a good crime film, Casper Carr is, a, is a, well, the most realistic breaking and entering that I've ever seen. It's, it's something about Casper Carr. You can't, it's a breaking movie. It's a movie yeah, about I, breaking into stuff. I got it. Um, it looks like it was uh, called uh, Street Thief um, with Casper Carr. Now, he, he does the expert version of what you were just talking about, the guy with the ladder or saying you're with Johnson controls to do the HVAC. That is the guy that takes it to the nth degree and gets into buildings like that. And I thought that was the most realistic uh, thievery movie I've ever seen. And I, I've, I've seen it a few times. I'll probably watch it again soon. Um, I didn't get the call from the Randy couple that lost the handcuffs, but my cousin's a paramedic and he did. Really? Uh, okay. I got a couple. Yeah, it was somebody handcuffed to a bed. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a paramedic. I don't know. They've, I'm guessing the fire department just cut him off or something, but no. Oh I've, my I've, God. There's more weird calls. It just takes a, it. To, something's got to cue the memory for it to, <laughs> okay. to surface, but. Yeah, so it's been a weird, it's been a weird business. It's been a weird, weird stuff does happen. It's, it's part of working 24 seven, I think. So, so has anything ever, um, and I have to ask this paranormal happen or, 
Um, any any like haunted type things that you've been brought into? And I well, ask that because I, I have friends of the show who have paranormal channels and things like this. And sometimes they'll say, um, yeah, door locks seem to be something that is triggered by the paranormal. Just just asking. Uh, no, I, I haven't. I had a cabinet slam shut once, but it wasn't related to work. And it scared me. Okay. Uh, it slammed shut in the middle of winter. All the windows were closed. It scared the crap out of me. I went outside and I had to cool off like before I could go back in my house. And ugh, I didn't like that. But that was the only thing ever. So that's wow. my paranormal story. It's a shout out to our friend Ting Ting. So, yeah, I haven't had any real paranormal stuff going on here. So, which is good. But, uh, um, so, and, so we've talked about some of the crazy calls. Um, anything that happened, which was like, um, I guess way better than what you thought. Like someone was like, thank you so much for this. And here's a cake I just baked and I'm giving it to you. Or like just how thankful, like how, how you saved somebody's day and they were so grateful for it. It's just like anything else. People are, sometimes people are mad. And like, if I do, uh, they don't like seeing me at all. In fact, the quicker I do it, the more unfair the price gets. Right. And then other people, uh, right. <laughs> they, you do it quick and they're appreciative. But other people think it's kind of a, an unfair thing. Uh, I think that's, uh, but I get, it's nice to get tips. Sometimes people tip me. I, I who knows what contractors you are and are not supposed to tip. Right. But, right. But it's yeah. nice when people tip me. I've got a couple hundred dollar tips, which is cool. I'm like even small jobs. Like it was a huge tip. Uh, but it's very cool. People don't tip me so much anymore. Everybody, I had a lot of excitement when I was starting off on my own. I was telling everybody I just started. There's a lot of excitement. I think there's a lot of excitement for a young new business owner. But well, since I'm not new anymore, I don't tell people <laughs> that, and the excitement's kind of gone. But when I was starting, when I was starting out, I think I was pleasantly surprised how supportive the public was. That anybody was trying it. People think it's really hard to start a business. Yeah. I think it's really easy to start a business. Obviously the hard parts maintaining profitability. Right. But, uh, right. I think it's very easy to try your hand at if you have the opportunity to try it. I, I would say starting a business itself was the only part that was easier than I thought it would be. Wow. So I want to get back to that in just a second. First, Heath has a question. You saying, Hey, the best key to keep with you is an elevator bypass key. What's your thought on that? I don't know what that is, but it's I, probably something for the fire department. I know that okay. the fire de the fire department has cooler keys than me, probably. It's I'm guessing that has something to do with that. Okay. Um, so how did COVID change your responses, right? Did you have to um you know I guess what was involved with that? The social distancing, the sanitizing, yeah. people are like, hey, don't come into my house or like, how did that make things different for you? Well, it, it didn't change anything for me, except for I, I lick doorknobs for a living. I feel like I probably have the dirtiest job out of everybody to touch every doorknob. So I had planned to get COVID early on. I thought I would get it, you know, first couple weeks work and, and it just didn't, didn't happen that way. Uh, nothing really changed for me at all, aside from a little less consumer interface. Like people were stuck. They were very stationary and i need right. chaos i need people to be moving around yeah i need you drinking i need you losing your keys i need you fighting breaking up with your spouses i need all that bad stuff is what my business a business of locks is is 
based off all that bad stuff that can happen. So all the chaos is good for me. And I think COVID actually sort of reduced the, the crime briefly. I, okay. I don't People just stopped moving around. I don't know. COVID sort of slowed things down for me. People didn't go as many places and do as many things, and they made less mistakes for it. Were people freaked out when you arrived or did they like put a mask on or like, you know, here's a can of Lysol when you're done, like spray everything yeah. down or nothing like no, that? No, most people are fine. If I get the vibe that somebody's nervous, especially if it's in their own house, I try and be respectful of that. Uh, okay. But yeah, you know, most people up, up were in my area aren't, it hasn't affected my job too much. Here's a question from Heath. He's saying, uh, he's asking how many Euro locks do you run into working? Uh, luckily not that many. I'm not a fan. I what is a Euro lock by the way? I, think I don't it's know. A, it's a style of a log that you might likely find in more often in Europe, but in the States it's in, uh, in our storm doors a lot. The okay. lock cylinder that's in your storm doors when those are easy to bypass. So don't rely on them. Wow. We have some bad news here from Bolo. He's saying his ex-wife changed the locks when I was yeah. married to her. They're, they're a big part of my clientele. <laughs> Ex-wives and girlfriends big but it's like why is this key not working and then he's like why why is my luggage well, out on the i had port? i had a lady tell me I, she had to call me to her house to rekey it and she said her ex was drunk on her doorstep and it was on record it was being recorded on her ring and he was trying keys to get into her house and he, he thought ah damn i she she heard him say on the ring recording i'm gonna go home and get my copy or whatever and so when she played back the ring doorbell footage from the night before when he was trying to get in, she heard him say that he had a copy of the key and I had to come rekey it. Holy smokes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is. I'm so, glad I'm not dating. I don't <laughs> envy them at all. I don't know, but it sounds like Bolo here has got some, uh, some crazy things going on. Also, I guess John Rice is saying water keys are handy too. Do you I have know no what, idea what that is. I, okay, I don't know what that is, buddy. Yeah. Heath is saying they sell them on eBay. I don't know if it's the water key or whatever, or this elevator key or, or cuff key. Like Houdini's from Appleton, Wisconsin, which isn't that far from me. Um, although I doubt he's still alive. I wouldn't want to try to call him right now. Um, so traditional keys, like, right? I'm going to. Well, ooh, this is disheartening. Here's the keys to my 2008 Impala, which I sold a few months ago. I probably should have included these in the deal. Yeah, um, all yeah right. you probably should have. <laughs> well, that's disheartening. It didn't affect the price at all. But well, if you ever want it back. <laughs> right. I know where it is. I know the guy I sold it to. Um, well, this isn't working. I thought I had keys in here, but I don't. Um, all right. So traditional keys, right? Traditional, well... Here we go. This is a traditional key. We're we're moving though from traditional keys to um that's not a traditional key. See, you're the guy that doesn't know. It's it's in inside that plastic, there's a little transponder in there. So it's not traditional. Okay, so there's a transponder in here. Okay, so yeah, it's in the plastic. Got it. It's embedded. So I'll I'll take just this part right here. So the, the old style metal key, which is gone now, and it's just simply a fob, but then people are, are building homes. So I've got a friend who is um, building a home in Alberta, Canada. 
said, everything is, is wireless digital locks. I can do it for my phone, stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So what is your thought, Josh, on as we move or people who have done this, they go from, you know, the traditional keyed locks to digital locks, the advantages and disadvantages. What happens if it gets hacked? Or what if someone, and, and uh, that's that would be my concern, right? Like someone hacks your lock or someone can more easily break into your lock because they can, it reminds me of the movie, remember the movie War Games with Matthew Broderick? Nope. You should watch that. It's free also if you watch it with commercials on YouTube, but War Games. So yeah, Broderick was able to defeat at NORAD some digital codes um, on locks. But um, what's your thought? Are you seeing more of these digital locks? I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know anything about hack and I'm, I'm, I'm too dumb. I, I don't know anything about computers or hacking locks. I, okay. I, I don't think that that's a real threat. Uh, I'll tell you, if you're going to put one on your house because it's convenient, um, spend the, the money on an ICER one. The cheaper ones are really, really cheap, and they break easy. So if you're going to do it, spend a couple hundred bucks and get one that will last a few years. The cheap ones aren't worth it, in my opinion. Okay. So if you're going to get a push button, spend money on an ICER one. I like Schlage stuff. Um, I don't even sell it cause it, um, I can't get it cheap enough that like cheaper than Menards would, uh, right. wholesale. I can't buy it cheaper than you can buy it at Menards for, is what I mean. But yeah, Schlage's a great brand. If you're putting stuff on your house, just stick with that. It's tried and true. And if you want to go electric, get their brand electric. Um, I don't know about hacking anything. I'm sorry. Okay. No, I, um, so Martin is saying the back door code was Joshua. Joshua was the son of the uh, of the professor who okay. developed this uh, nuclear defense system. Yeah, the Whopper, this computer. You, you'll love the movie. You'll have to check it out. It was back in 83. It was Matthew Broderick. Um, he had hacked into the system by accident and then uh, almost started World War III, which is kind of ironic considering what's happening right now. But um, so digital digital systems, do you think, so what are your thoughts on like these ring door systems and um I think, think they're I think they're creepy as far oh so okay. I think they're creepy. I personally and especially in Canada today, uh which, sorry Canadians for that act being passed this afternoon. Um right. yeah, I, I I think the electronic stuff and the cameras, I don't have it on my house. I just think having cameras around or a Alexa or any of that. I don't like it personally. Uh, I don't sell a lot of electric stuff unless for commercial application, in which point it becomes very helpful. I think it's, I think it's kind of gimmicky on a house, but I think in a commercial setting, it, it's actually really functional is that allows you then in a commercial setting to add and remove access easily and quickly. So if you have a disgruntled employee and you know, he needs to not get in Monday well, you can do it yourself. It allows you some, it can, uh, if, if an electric, if electric stuff allows you independence, by all means, if, if, if that gives you a little bit more independence for your own security, that might be the one benefit of it. But other than that, I think they're finicky and they're unreliable, but for the control aspect to be able yourself to add or remove access for an individual, I think that's great. But I think beyond that it's gimmicky and it's a waste unless it's maybe a surveillance thing, like a ring doorbell. That's not really my wheelhouse so much yeah. but uh, i was you know like i said i was just surprised when i went out and uh was kind of going around my neighborhood of all the ring doorbells 
you know, that people had. And I was like, wow. I mean, it just, just kind of caught me off, off guard. Um, Adult? Yeah. yeah, they're more common than you think. And most of the time I'm on them, I don't even realize. So I got to be careful what I say to myself <laughs> when I'm waiting for people. They have great audio. I always worry, like, have I ever been on one of them? And I'm cussing out something. I don't know. Yeah, they're like, who are you? I'm like, I, I am here running for city office. Why are you here? I'm here for city office. Okay, I'll be right out. All right. I'm yeah, he's here. right. So with the gun safes and stuff, too, that's another thing you can't cheap out on. A $500 safe is not, unless it's about the size of your microwave it or smaller, it's not a good. So uh, pay attention to the fire safe and understand that it's uh, anybody can hack into those I mean, when I mean hack, I mean like hack away at your cheap safe. Uh, people don't know how thin those cheaper safes really are. I would, I think, I think cheap safes are really good at looking robust. Like I saw in at Costco uh, earlier this week for 500 bucks, a gun safe that might've held maybe a dozen rifles. And I thought it okay. looks, they do. So for gun safes and stuff like that, I think they do a really good job of making them look a lot more robust and secure than they really are. Uh, Another thing I just thought of, I think that people are often fooled by how secure their safe might look. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so Heath wrote, transponder relay to read the car key left on the counter on the other side of the door to start your car. That was a thing for a while. We were kind of talking about that at start. But are you, this is something again, Josh, you don't, you don't see that much of people having their car stolen because someone has hacked the... No, I don't see it that much, and I would remember it too, because I okay. I kind of admire that kind of crime. I think it's interesting. It's a refreshing break from the normal stuff. I don't, I don't know. I've never seen anything cool, really. I've never seen any creative or good criminals, aside from the one okay. I told you about... Uh, the one where the guy went through the window and up the stairs and he, he didn't, he kind of just went around everything. That was the only good crime I've ever seen. I don't have faith in criminals. I don't, they're not, they're not, they're not unique. They're not smart for the most part. They'll just, they all do the same thing. Most of them will try and kick in your door if you're the weak one. And a few of them got the balls to break your window, especially if it's that rural property, your hunting shack. Right. So, you know, but no, they're, they're not much. They're not good. There's not a lot of good criminals. That's one thing I learned about crime. They're not unique. That is, yeah, that's pretty fascinating, right? Yeah. Like, you know, um, you know, we think that people are really, I mean, it, so I interviewed um, maybe a year and a half ago, Larry Lawton, America's Biggest Jewel Thief. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm on your show? <laughs> So, and Larry, I wrote a, I interviewed Larry again and wrote a chapter about him in my book that's coming out April 11th. And I have Larry, yeah, so I know Larry Lawton, um, which is really cool, right? Like, it, um, and yeah, he was at the Daytona, uh, like, what, 500? Was that a couple of days ago or something? I don't know. He was at a race. And, uh, but he, so, so one of the things that Larry talked about is he goes, you know, before I would do like a, I'd break into, a jewelry store, I would watch it for a week and I would figure out when the sun was setting, like, yeah, I heard the, the, I know. Yeah, the difficulty on the windows. And, and so he's telling me all this stuff and, and, uh, something like, so like Larry studied, you know, the crime and, and it was amazing. So 
when I had Larry on my show and then I, I interviewed him for my book, I had one question. I said, how'd you find out about 9-11? Because he was right incarcerated, you know, maximum security prison. And then the prisons all went on lockdown. Um, so he's like, no one's ever asked me that question before. But um, but yeah, so the Larry Lawton people are really pretty rare. Um, and I also, I, you know, Larry is, you know, Larry's released from prison and he's doing you know, great things for, uh, you know, community and for youth. And one of the, one of the stories too was when he was robbing a jewelry store, there was an elderly couple and then they were kind of scared. And he's like, just sit down and, you know, just don't say anything. And, and then the police interviewed them later and they said, yeah, he was a really nice robber. <laughs> so I'm like, Larry, remember that? But, um, yeah. So yeah, Larry. Uh, so anyway, but uh, we kind of got got off on a side of like you know someone who really studies, um, and and someone who's trying to probably you know like kick in, break into your. And I think the reason, right, if I'm not mistaken, but the reason a lot of these places are getting broken into is it's probably like drug drug related. People are trying to find either money or find things that they can take and sell for drugs like opioids and stuff like that. At least in my area, that's more what the police yeah, are saying. I'd say you'd have to be high to pick that for a job. That's a dangerous job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. This is um, Heath is saying, uh, maybe you know what this is, um, Josh. I don't. TL15, TL30. Look on Craigslist. You can find some good de deals. TL15 safes. So he's talking about the rating on it. I don't remember what TL stands for, but the numbers have to do with the bigger the number, the longer it takes to break into. And the letters have to do with the force required. So a TL might mean like with power tools, you can expect it to take 30 minutes or, or it, you can, we can guarantee it'll take 30 minutes or longer if he's got a nice saw. It, that's probably what a TL 30 is. I don't, I'm not, Safes aren't my, my strongest point. I don't sell a ton of them. Uh, I open them with my fingers, though. Hey, really? Duke, can I, I'll show you something cool. When we come back from... Uh, let me grab it quick. Okay, well, let's do it. We'll hit, uh, we'll hit the break right now. So the show's still going on, everybody. I'm going to... Um, so hang in there. Bef and... Yeah, before I get off, I want to show you what the, the, the paper... Like, when you, somebody's cracking a safe, I want to show you just kind of what the data looks like that that I take down. Okay. So let's do that. I will go and do our intermission thing here. So we'll have a two minute break and then we'll be back and Josh will show us that paper. All right. Sounds and good. If anybody wants to know how to do anything, I'll tell you whatever. I don't oh. care. All right. All right, guys. Let me get some more coffee. Hang in there. All right.
everybody all right this is uh this is cool i'm learning a lot i <laughs> oh, had no idea so and uh let me change the background here so josh is returning so we're talking about uh let's see here thanks so much um ting ting is saying i prefer a good set of butcher knives yikes shape charges don't take that long vanessa sounds like uh Wow, sounds pretty crazy. Most safes can be broken into with an angle grinder. Wow, Martin, yeah. Sounds like Home Alone. Um, okay, so Josh. All right, so I wanted to show you guys what it looks like when you actually do crack a safe. I saw a scene on Ocean's Eleven, or what was that? Anytime I see it, it's just like anything else. When you see your profession done online, they never do it right. So I thought I'd just show you guys like my notes when I'm cracking it, what it looks like. I wonder how well you can see this, guys. So do you see what those, can you kind of see what I, it's all numbers, right? None of it's making sense, all random. Yeah, I can, I can. So that's, that's my, that's what I'm recording as I crack it. I wanted to show you guys how to crack a safe quick. And then I think that's all I got for you. Can we do it quick in a few seconds? Do you want to see how it works? I do. Yeah, you bet. All right. Now, back of a sit. Oh, this is bad. So, this is the inside of one, right? If I flip it around. And when you're cracking a safe, you're spinning everything in here and you're feeling it. And so, when you get to this part here, I can feel this with when I hit it, just so slightly on the wheel. You see that? I can feel that, and I can feel that. I can feel the left and the right side. Okay? Every time I hit that, I feel it. Every time I hit that, I feel it. Well, it looks like this. Or... It looks like this, right? So I'm measuring that distance. That distance gets measured. Uh, about 50 times you measure that. And uh, as that distance changes, you get your different numbers. And that's just, it's literally as simple as that. You just measure that little distance once you know how to find it. Did you ever think it would be that simple? Cracking a safe. It's just measuring that over and over, distance left to right, and you you got to keep checking it. I mean, it's not quite that simple, but it's just the two things inside there. You're just picking a two 
one thing you keep measuring over and over. Holy smokes, man. Yeah, that it's so works. So that'll get you so as you measure that, you're getting the first number, and then like how does it work for the second number? And, the and third... I I think I opened a can of worms thinking I could try and explain it that quick because I, I I thought it would be easy. But yeah, you 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 take a measurement at a certain point and you basically are using the safe lock itself to measure points within itself. So you're using the lock to measure a point within the lock. And as that point, as you, as you record that measurement, it tells you what the combination is. Wow, that is amazing. I, uh, no, it's no. I like. I I had no idea that that's how that worked, right? And so it's a. So if you were to have a lock from. So when's an example when you've used that? I mean, someone is never. Is I've never used that. I've got. Uh, <laughs> funny, right? I've got. I've got three notebook pages full of practicing cracking safes and I've, I've never, I've never got paid to crack one. I've only done them for practice. Nobody ever calls me to open safes. And then when they do, it's probably a keypad, right? A push button. So this is uh, okay. learning how to crack these was, it wasn't for any other reason other than to kill time. Um, and I'm not good at it, but I do it cause it's kind of fun. Uh, for me it's it's really fun when you feel it open and you're like oh my god i that actually happened i just cracked that that's 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 kind of an adrenaline rush for me man that is amazing so you know you mentioned the digital keypads and and some people have mentioned them so what's the deal then if someone is approaching you and they're like here's a digital keypad and i can't get into this or whatever it is and you're like so how do you approach that I don't have any, I don't, there's no tricky way I know how to abuse an electrical lock uh, by way of its electrical components. Usually, if I'm going to get through your electrical lock, the weak point's always going to be the mechanical part. So, yeah, I, I don't know any tricky software ways or hacking ways around electronic locks. If that would be an, I, I, uh, an IT guy thing. Anything related to that is an is a IT guy. There's no locksmith that knows much about computers that I know of. We're, we're kind of simple folk. Well, Jim McIntosh is saying, um, how long is a quarter staff? A regular bow staff is six feet long. I don't know right. what that is. Do you know what that is? Mm -mm. I'm not sure where that where that's that's going. So, wow. All right. So, um, what keeps you like wanting to do this job? Right. Like, yeah, like what? Funny. Yeah. Once I once I have uh, once I have my two hundred thousand from Cappy's book, I read. I'll uh, I'll be done. Yeah, Cappy has just been cruising out the videos lately. Um, so that is that is some uh, which book? I mean, because now I think he's releasing. I don't know, maybe it's twelfth or thirteenth. I book. read Benjamin's retirement. Poor Benjamin's yes. retirement. Yep. And I read Curse of the High Q. Gotcha. I don't know if I have the curse, but I read the book because it's <laughs> nice to have on his shelf. Yeah, I I've have a few of his books. I left a review for Reconnaissance Man, which I think is really underrated. So he talked about when you are 17, 18, 19, you need to get out and travel and figure out, you know, places that you might want to live. And like, right, you know, Minnesota or Wisconsin, if you like to do things outdoor that are more summerish right now is probably not real great for you 
you know, like, uh, like I like to bike and tomorrow we have an ice storm. So that doesn't match, but I thought recon man was really cool. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to his, he's got, uh, I think it's called the menu. I don't know, uh, too much more about it, but, um, but <laughs> so I'll First tell you, an Aaron, it, so. I'll tell you yeah. an Aaron Clary, uh, story, which will make, uh, which I've never shared with anybody. Um, so I know Aaron, so he's a friend of mine. Actually, you know, I've got Aaron on my cell phone and we talk once in a while, stuff like that. But, um, you know, so we're both from Wisconsin and he bought a classic car. Um, and, and so this, this was a while back. And anyway, it didn't have seatbelts in it. And I don't know the whole deal, like if it, if it was supposed to have seatbelts because the year it was made, they're already seatbelts. But so he took me out for a ride in this car that he bought. And he basically had me hold or, or wear the seatbelt, which wasn't attached to anything. And he did yeah. the same thing. He just <laughs> wanted I, you to wear it so you didn't get the ticket. Right. Yeah. So he handed me this thing and he's like, here. So it was like this Velcro, like, you know, seatbelt that didn't attach to anything. And we're out in this like classic car that he bought, and uh, and it was the coolest thing. It was absolutely—I mean, this car was just a, a, amazing, and you know all this stuff. But um, but yeah, I, I just got a kick out of that because he's like, "Oh, like one last thing here, Doc." You know, he's like, "Well, you know, Dave." He's like, "Here," you know. I'm like, uh, "What? <laughs> Does this attach to anything?" He's like, "No, like you just just wear it. It looks like you got a seatbelt on." I'm like, "Okay, like I'm down with that." And, uh, and yeah, so he was, yeah, he, he had me out in his, his, uh, his classic car that he, that he picked up. So, which, which was really, it was just fun. It was, it was really fun. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been, that's been cool. Um, so I'm trying to think of any, like, I don't, I don't think I have anything crazy with lock. I do have, you know, so as you, as, as we saw that picture of my neighbor, who had the, the door that opened. Um, I have that happening with the door that goes into my garage. It's a steel door and I've adjusted the plate a few times, but the damn thing still doesn't latch. And this time of year, humidity drops significantly. So yeah. like that thing will latch up fine in June and July. Yeah. Right? So but, make the hole bigger instead of moving the hole. Okay. File it out instead of moving it around. Just, and okay. I'll give you a little bit more room. And then I was also wondering, like, if a pole lever was was better than just a. Turn. I think it's good for a garage or a utility door to have that. If you have a bag, uh, your know, arms full of groceries, it's just easier to hit it with your elbow than okay. than to reach and turn. Yeah, levers are better for, especially for like a garage. That's. I think. I'm, I think I'm going to do. And you said, as it's Schlag. Is that that's how the common house brand. That's like uh, that's your Chevy of locks. Okay. Schlag, be, yep. Be pretty for the good. states, it's different in a, in other places. Gotcha. So yeah, that's something. Yeah, my kids and my wife. It's hey, the, you know, the door's not locking or it's not closing. Like you know, then there's a, the lock on it. But then I'm like, well, just make sure, <laughs> make sure it does. But I'm, so yeah, I've run into this issue where the the humidity drops so much here in winter. Um, it is it is absolutely crazy. Like the house will start to like right now it's okay, but there'll be points in winter when the house just contracts and you can go around and you can see the cracks between the molding and then it all disappears in May when the humidity gets back. Yep. Um, yeah. And actually I had a, I had a, one of my, my 
the, the fascia on one of the beams on the front of my house cracked. I mean, it was like 35 degrees below zero. And uh, so, yeah, that kind of stuff is going on. Um, how, so like with cars, because both of my vehicles are, you know, there's no key, it's just a fob. Um, are any tips there? Like, should people replace their fob batteries on a pretty regular basis? Because it's, hey, it's a cheap thing, you know, just replace the battery or like, what do you? Uh, I'd say to start, just familiarize yourself with a backup plan for when your battery dies. There's there's going to be a lock somewhere and a key somewhere, and you might not be able to see the key or the lock because the key might be stuck inside your remote. You got to slide it out. And the lock might be the harder part to find. Often they'll hide that behind like a piece of plastic you have to pop off. So maybe if you just know what to do when the battery on your remote dies, because you have to put your key in a specific spot because that transponder doesn't have the right range once you want to start your car. Instead of having a, a 36-inch range to reach the ignition or the receiver that's near that push button on the ignition, you have zero power to power up your transponder to fire that signal out. So you have to have it set right in the right spot. So you have to, I'd say, figure out how to start your car if it runs out of batteries ahead of time or... And then if you have a push button start, definitely don't only have one key because those are the people that have the expensive ones. Uh, here's the one interesting, what is, is he talking about tanks and stuff? I bet you all that, I could steal an airplane so easy. <laughs> I bet you a tank has probably such an easy key to pick. I don't know. It seems that's crazy. The bigger stuff is, the smaller locks it all has. Man, that is crazy. That and is, trucks, semi trucks. It's weird. The bigger stuff is, and the more expensive it is, the crap, crap ignitions they have on them. Yeah, I. So on my, well, on both of my vehicles, it does have right. If you can take the fob and somehow maneuver it to pull back the handle, and then there's a little like placed press in almost like a hex key type thing. I've never done it. And actually maybe I should just so yeah, I'm familiar. Some with of them are kind of confusing. That's why I said it. it sounds dumb, but some of them are actually kind of tricky. Like to get the plastic cap that hides your lock, it might be kind of easy to crack it when you're doing it, but yeah, heavy equipment, you can buy a set of like heavy equipment keys on eBay and they'll have them all on a ring for you. And it'll be like 50 different pre-cut keys. Yeah. Heavy equipment's easy for sure holy um, smokes man like I didn't my know biggest tip do you know what doc my biggest tip is telling everybody to be caring and i never thought i would ever say that but that's my biggest locksmith tip today is if somebody's doing something that looks weird don't be afraid to say something to them and they don't people mind their own business too much yeah yeah, I never, I, I didn't think that that would be my advice to anybody ever, but that is really the biggest thing you have to do is, is kind of be a Karen. Yeah, no, it's good. No, it's, it's good. I, I talk about it. So one of the things that I see Josh, and it's not really like, it's not a locksmith thing, but it's, um, people come in from outside agencies and schools. Like they'll come in from the County. I'm here from County human services and I need to see whatever student and I'd be like, well, do you have an ID? Like, how do I know you're from the county? I don't have to show an ID, you know, because this is, I'm like, yeah, you do. Because you're, this is, you know, not your property. We need to be, mm. identify who you are, that you're safe to enter the building, right? That 
And uh, also if something happens while you're in here, a lockdown or something, I need to be able to account for everybody who's in the building. So you have to show me some ID. And uh, people just will get really angry, right? You know, I would, I would meet with the buildings and say, you know, hold your position on this, right? If somebody comes in, um, especially from outside agencies, that was a big thing in schools. County agencies thought they could just walk in and just be like, I'm here. And, and you'd be like, well, you have to wear a visitor badge and we have to check you in. I don't have to do any of that. You know, my bosses say, I'm like, oh, too bad. Like how your bosses call me, you know? Um, but yeah, that is, that is a, that is great. And again, that, you know, uh, that video, I forget which one I do, do with a ladder trying to get in places, but it is amazing. If you look the part, how much you can get away with. Yeah. Um, and I, I will, I'll say too, I don't wear a uniform I, since I work for myself. And, and even when I worked for somebody else, we never did wear a uniform too. So when I'm doing this, I don't have a big, I don't have locksmith written across my back. I'm in the winter. You'll find me in a camo jacket and Carhartt bibs like all winter. And that's where I, I'll go around. I, any, nobody stops me anywhere. I'd say that's the big take home is, yeah. If you want more security, you kind of have to be your own security. Gotcha. And I'm reading a Bolo. Bolo's saying, I stay in my lane, you stay in yours. Bolo's like, why are you here? He's always questioning people. Like, who are you? Bolo had a campaign in Canada. This was before Trudeau. He's like, everybody should wear name tags. So we were just more friendly. But as of now, I think I would drop that if I were you, Bolo. I would not go out in public identifying myself if I lived in Canada, where Bolo lives. It's a bad idea, buddy. Um, do not do that. So, yikes! Um, wow. Yeah. It. I. So one of the one a couple of things, Josh. So one is, I thought there was a much higher barrier to licensure for being a locksmith. It's like state I thought, to state, and my state's a weak one, and yeah. so other states will be a little different. But I, I haven't heard anything other for any other states than like maybe like a a two year course and some credits. Uh, and what else? There's just a background check, but that's, it's just like the same background check a plumber or anybody else would get. It's not like a special locksmith background check. So. Okay. So yeah, I'm bringing this up on, um, um, locksmith kind of per state and, yeah, I'm surprised, right? So that was something that would have thrown me off um, because I thought there was, right. Uh, so it's um, a good friend Bolo here, but uh, so, and as we go through basic security things, um, the 101s, like don't have anything fancy or kind of like calling attention to your place, have automatic lights set up. And don't be, I guess in my thought it's like don't be afraid to set up a lot of lights like i've got it set up so my whole area lights up and you know my lights yeah. are you know 20 feet up so uh you know they're throwing throwing a lot of coverage you said sirens too josh yeah um, and you'd be surprised at what you like for privacy like if you have a nice private backyard somebody else is going to appreciate that yeah yeah no that makes that makes sense um so doing those things, um, having a deadbolt, you know, again, I mean, I, I think back to probably every place I ever rented before I bought a house just had a regular 
you know, $10 lock on it. And that was it. You know, and it's it was, okay if it's cheap. Uh, just make sure you actually have the deadbolt and also know that you can have a hole installed for a deadbolt to be installed into. That makes sense, right? So I could also know if you're missing the hole for the second one up top, we can add that. I wanted people to know that. People don't know. Somebody will come out for an affordable price and drill an extra hole in your door for you for a deadbolt. Got it. And and locksmithing will also have some deadbolts. Like you have some that you would sell or you'd recommend yeah, say, yeah, one yeah. and use and it's you know reliable. So I can come out and put this in your house. Um, because I think people kind of get mixed up on that. Like, should I go to the carpenter? Should I do a, like a builder? There's a little bit of overlap and that's okay. A carpenter can do what I do and you could put a deadbolt on without any, any, it's all easy. Not, I mean that sort of anything that goes on a house is consumer ready. So it's adjustable. You don't have to take any measurements. It's, it's standardized. It's out of the box, ready to drop in. So anything okay. for your house is going to be already dumbed down easy, stupid, easy to use. You don't have to think you just go get a deadbolt. You don't have to make sure it's for the right size door. It's like oh. they, they took all the thought out of it, which is nice okay. for a consumer. Yeah, no, that makes sense to, yeah, to have that. Okay, so deadbolt is a definite. Um, and your three-inch screws. Three-inch screws, right. Yep. And those never come with the it's pack, really important. Right? That's why I keep saying it. Yeah, it's really yeah. important. Um, yeah, and drill, yeah, make sure you're you're getting into, well, I mean, you you eventually you're going to hit, you know, studs over there because the door is put into something, right? But uh but yeah, like a three-inch three-inch screw. Um, I thought it was interesting too. You said you know it, it's less likely that windows are going to be broken through. Um, still happens, but it's less likely, right? So secure your doors. Um, and again, if if someone is locked out of their place, like maybe because they're panicking, like what are maybe the first two three things they should think about so they can have a better experience with. Locks, but so they don't. I, I think the first one is they're going to find they're going to do a search, and the scammers are going to pay to be the first person come up on the search. So, like you said, if someone is telling you 10 15 dollars, you got to be like, What is the cost for you actually to come out here and unlock? What is the project cost, right? Uh, if you're going to get something small and simple done, you can avoid scams easily by getting a price up front. Yep, so there's a ton of phone numbers for uh, you know that lead to a scam. Wow. What was I, how do I say that better? Um, there's a lot of, you'll find there's dozens and dozens of those opportunity. There's dozens and dozens of numbers for you to call no matter what city you're in that are, that are a actual scam. <laughs> so you do have to know about it. Cause it's, it's, there's in my area, there's half the numbers you can call online are the bad ones. And the other half are the real ones, but all those bad different, all those dozen bad companies are really just, one big company that turn and burn different company names all the time. Gotcha. So I wanted people to be aware of that, that they have to get their price ahead of time or that they may avoid a scam. If they see that red flag of the low service call is kind of, they're like, that's kind of their signature ad. Their signature Google AdWords deal is like a $15 service call. <laughs> okay. I'm going to just do a locksmith search here near me and if you're more rural it'll it, it might even make it easier for you to find the scammer 
Okay. Yeah, I'm coming up. I'm coming up with a whole bunch of different lock stuff, which I'm not even sure if these people are. So I don't want to give up my exact location. Do you here, see but... some with a couple one star reviews? Because that would be. Well, yeah, I'm seeing. Uh, like I've lived in this city for 20 years, and I'm like this. I, and if you this, follow the maps and you if you see right. stuff that's not really there, that's another one of their it'll be a house. Your this house is a house. A, yeah, yeah, your house might be a locksmith shop on Apple. Uh, There's a good chance. This is and this one says no credit cards accepted. So So they don't like paying the government. Fair um, enough. So yeah. And and the reviews here, great service, very reputable. Okay, and 100% completely happy with the service we, we received. Definitely would use again, but that doesn't seem like that's really <laughs> like a deep interview here or a, a review. Um, oh, here's one from for my area. This company participates in classic bait and switch pricing tactics where they give you a low estimate over the phone. Then they ask you for a couple hundred dollars for five minutes of work upon arrival. The job gets done, but then for a hundred dollar minimum so that's one yeah and the sick part is not when it's you or me but it's like my grandma and she don't know what's going on and then yeah that's when it gets really bad it's a they're really bad people sometimes sure some of those guys that work maybe aren't the worst but some of them are the worst and you're calling them when you know you're in a tight spot and you're already stressed right oh my god so this, I, this is one I've thought about. So New York Outcast is saying stash. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Do it. Yeah, and right. you can. You don't even have to get a hide a key. Just bury it. It's brass. It might be kind of corroded, but it'll probably work if you dust it right. off. Don't worry about hide. Just hide it. Definitely get one. Or here's another trick you can do. If you have the original keys, you'll see a series of five numbers on it. Well, if I had one, I'd pull one up. Well, you got your house keys on you? I don't. No. Okay, good. Because I would have just told people how to cut you a key for your house right (laughs) Uh, well if you look on your keys sometimes you'll see a a series of five numbers and they'll be like maybe four three two one four right if you those numbers are the cuts of your key if you write down the cuts of your key uh if you knew what the cuts of your key were you'd be able to have a key cut for you remotely um, which is kind of cool. So if you were out of town and you wanted a key cut for somebody, they'd be able to just go to a locksmith with that information that you gave them. So if you know the cuts of your key, you can have that cut anywhere in the world by a locksmith by just telling them. That might be, eh, that's kind of off into the weeds. I don't know. Wow. Maybe so I, never mind that one, but. Uh, well, I had no idea like that was. The, the, cuts a, of, the cuts of your key are always written on on it. Um, if you were trying to get your house sitter in or your dog sitter in, just sending a picture of a key might be able to help you. Um, but no, I'd say, yeah, that right there. Okay. So let me do, um, so that's what it's called there is bidding. Yeah. So is the bidding, the... those are the cuts of the key. And the bigger the number, the deeper the cut. Okay. And the deeper the cut, the longer the corresponding pin. Two six four nine five. And yeah. then this—what does keyway mean? That's the. There's if Schlage has a dozen different locks that they sell. That that's the C keyway, and that's its own unique shape. 
So okay. if you like put a, a square in a square hole, a circle in a circle hole, the C keyway is its own specific shape. Like if you're looking down the barrel of a gun the long way, that's gotcha. the shape. The, that's the profile. So if you knew these numbers, right, and you called and said, I can't yeah. get into my house, but here it's almost it's almost like yeah. make, it's it, almost it, like it, uh, doxing yourself, okay, if you will. Yeah, it's information you don't necessarily want out there that's just sitting there. So you, know, you might want to protect that if you're it's almost like know. taking a picture of that and keeping it on your phone, right? Like um or keeping it in a it could know, be some, helpful. Some file, right? Like if you took a picture of that of that key or I I mean that's kind of interesting because right, if you had a had a picture in, up on a Google Drive, I mean no one's going to right you know, but if but if you had an emergency situation and you're like, Yeah, hey, we gotta a picture of my key. In well, you're going to get numbers. a copy because you're going to think about getting a copy beforehand. Okay. Yeah. Right, a spare key. Spare key. Oh, gotcha. It's fun. I have like six feet of rock all the way around my house. So if I were ever to hide a rock, um, yeah, by the time anyone tried to figure out where that key was, they'd be like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I've already gone through 35,000 rocks. Like it's just not worth it. Worked um, all day and get paid. It's yeah, it is. <laughs> oh my God. So let's, let's, let's touch base on the questions here. And as we get into wrap, well, this has been great. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, nobody's asked me any, uh, nobody wants to know how to get into anything. Or yeah. Like, any, anything here, nothing. any questions? I'll offer any of the secrets. John Rice, Martin, Robert Ribbit Harrison, Robert saying, uh, make a magnetic stash box in your car somewhere. For I remember that was a big thing here. Yeah. My, my stepdad loved those. Yeah. yeah. We'd always had those growing up. And I locked my keys all the time in growing up before I even knew what a locksmith was in my car. And here was my trick to getting my car open. So anybody who's buying the locksmith kit that I recommended to you earlier to get, right, the pump air wedge bag with the long reach tool, that'll unlock most cars. And it's 50 bucks and you should have it in your garage. Um. I forgot to tell you how easy it is to scratch the paint with those. When you, when you put them in the door, that paint comes off like butter. You think it's like a hard enamely layer that's difficult to scratch, not okay. with the unlock tool. So when you guys are doing that, please, please know the paint just rubs off like butter and be real careful not to, not to scratch yours. But what I was going to say is I always locked my keys in my car growing up. And what I did was I would, I had crappy cars. That I didn't care about scratching obviously so i'd get my i'd pry it and get my wallet jammed in there and then i'd pick a tree that had like the right shape and size branch and i'd just get the nice branch that kind of had a hook in it or whatever i recommend you just pick a tree branch that has a convenient shape for your purposes and okay. uh, i used to pry open the door and just shove my wallet in there to get me space for a hanger or a stick or whatever i could but I, I always had crappy cars that I could do that too. So, wow! If you're driving something nicer because you're a grown up, yeah, <laughs> be, be careful. I remember my duster. I could pull that that uh, window out quite a bit before. Yeah, it never snapped off on me, but I get quite a bit of distance, so I could sneak down in there and try to grab stuff out. My God, um, wow! That is. Um, this is um, John Rice. My grandpa taught me to string wire through car key and tie it to the frame. Okay. 
Um, yeah. Uh, coat hanger magnet bounces off of cars. Heath is saying. So I just, I remember those things when I was growing up. They would always rest really bad in Wisconsin too, like after a season because yeah. um, of the road salt. So, but any other questions for, for Josh, like on crazy lock stuff or like, hey, if you find like a, you know, a, a safe or anything or whatever you get locked out of, or if you bend a key or any tricks of the trade or you're, it's a, you're having a hard time turning your locks. So like, how should you condition them? Or like, I mean, just what, what are you thinking? Or, or also like, how do you, I, I, yeah, I mean, see, I thought I, I mean, it's almost like, let's say I'm not here. I'm on vacation and someone claims that they are the homeowner. Right. And then they're on my property and they call a locksmith and they say, Hey, I can't get in my house. It's almost, I don't know what the Wisconsin laws are, but it's, I'm almost like, whoa, like someone could actually like. Yeah, just, it's almost a little frustrating that somebody, that I might let you somebody into your house. That might be right. a little frustrating. <laughs> I, I go with my gut and uh, I guess I understand what it takes to get into a house. And I think it's harder to call a locksmith and take that risk than it is just to kick the door in. At the end of the day, if it was me, what they say, no face, no case. What, what, other, what other ways are there to say that? that Leave no witnesses. I don't know. It isn't like if two, what uh, here? Here's one from Larry. Uh, three can keep a secret if two yes. are dead. <laughs> Nobody's gonna want another witness, right. right? And if you do, and uh, and the cops come, I'm gonna tell on you. Hundred percent right. telling on you. I'm gonna snitch. Don't don't involve me in your crime. Right. On you. Yeah, Larry would say that, and I'd be like, "Whoa!" Like it's just you and me and uh, someone else here. So I am I am I in trouble, Larry? How are things yeah, going I, down here? Is, I, I just don't worry about it anymore. I, I don't. And because, like I said, if, even when I tried to worry about it, the, the truth is if people want to pull one over on it, they're, they're, they can. They will. You can give me some story. You're the house sitter. You'll have. Uh, I do normally with, uh, with house sitting things, though, just so you know, like with that one in particular, yeah. for whatever reason, I, I usually have the people send me a text me a picture of their driver's license. I don't know okay. why I do that, but I do for that particular situation. I usually ask them to confirm if they're like trying to to have the work done remotely and I never meet that person. I do. That is kind of the one. But uh, cops open a lock, verify a search warrant. Oh, I've never worked with that. I've only kicked renters out and that was for the uh, I've never done a search warrant. I've only kicked renters out. OK. And that was any, for the sheriff. Is there any time when you've been like, I'm out of here, I'm just not going to deal with this, like too much drama? Um, I, I pretty much, I will, I'm a, in, you can talk at me and it might go in one ear and out the other. No, not really. I, okay. if I, I can normally feel it out ahead of time, um, over the phone, if people say, Hey, my husband's here, I want him, my ex husband's in there and we're going to change the locks. I'm like, no, we're not. Cause the <laughs> sheriff's going to kick like, him out. Josh, you're going to kick his ass. Even, Go, yeah, Josh is gonna get his extra twenty five dollars on the service. Twenty five dollars as you oh, show up. He'll, he'll... <laughs> so wow, I imagine though, like that that situation happens, and it's really like bizarre and weird when you approach those situations. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a New York outcast is saying to me, "Have your neighbors keep an eye on your place?" They they do, and actually, uh, we have people stay at our house. We have uh, relatives in the area, enough relatives where. 
and I'm not usually out of here. Like, like the whole family is out of here uh, very often. That's seldom. And if that happens, then we just we because we have cats and stuff. People, uh, we let them know ahead of time, and we're like, we do stay at our house, and then they just do. So um, we're lucky enough to have a lady who comes house sit for us when we go on vacation, yeah. and I love that. So we have a dog and a cat, and then the house sitter takes care of everything. You know. I love having somebody come take care of your house when you go. If you yeah. if you're lucky enough to have that person available to, I mean, we pay her, you know. But yeah, that's, uh, that's I mean, great. yeah, that's kind of the setup that we have that we have going on here. So and I've taken the time, you know, to get to know my my neighbors. I, as I say, like with my neighbor who I didn't, I should have just gone over and closed the door. But I mean, I had surveillance on it to. I was getting to a point where like I, I would have probably done the, you know, call police, but the, not the 911 number in my town and just said, Hey, like, I think my neighbor's door, you know, is malfunctioned. Like, but, um, whatever. Could you check it out? Um, I did a welfare check once with a, with a, and it like, it, the guy was dead. Okay. But, <laughs> I didn't go in to like investigate further. It was like the lingering odor in the doorway was. Oh my God. Yeah. It was. That is okay. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. I did a welfare check where the guy was dead once. It was for the, I I think like she sort of already knew he was dead somehow. I don't really know. I don't remember. It was years back, but it was kind of like, there's a dead dude in here and we just need you to unlock the door. That was, wow. or, and then I unlocked a van once with a couple of bodies in it because it was a cadaver thing. It was like, a, I, I was, I felt like when I was popping the car open, the bodies were going to pop up. And Holy smokes. I, I just did a van once with a couple bodies in it. That was weird. Yeah. For me, I don't see a lot of bodies aside from Okay. That. Yeah. yeah, that is weird because I imagine. I mean, yeah, people might call you and say, hey, like, yeah, my uncle, right? Like, uh, he hasn't answered the phone, and I knocked on the door, and it's locked, and I'm pretty sure he hasn't gone anywhere. Can you, like, unlock it or something? Um, that's probably weird. Probably more of a police. There was police there. Oh, okay. Yeah, there is already police there when I got okay. there. Okay. Jeez. Wow. So, going through the the, the questions here, uh, New York Outcast is... Uh, he says, got to run. Have a great night, folks. Thank you, New York Outcast. John Rice, I need to start a housing service. That could be John Rice's new new side gig. Um, yep. Keep an eye out for markings on your house, too. If you see symbols, you might want to look into it. Okay. I found a bone on my doorstep, <laughs> on my threshold. I found, a do- I found a bone on my threshold in this old apartment we rented uh, when my wife and I were younger. Okay. And we that was where we had some paranormal stuff happen. So, Really? Uh, yeah. Everybody in the house did. I had just had that one thing with the cabinet happen to me. But like okay. my wife had her the pony pulled out of her hair. She said, uh, "That's the only one story I remember from her." But she thought that was just creepy. That something, you know, how does that happen? Maybe it sometimes falls off. I don't know. That's right. the one thing she said happened to her in that apartment. But we found a bone on the threshold one day, and I was wondering, is that like? Some sort of witchcraft, or it was that a squirrel eating KFC on my that doorstep? Is a, could be a squirrel practicing witchcraft. Squirrel I'd, eating dinner. Eating, wow! When I when I was in uh, when I was in college, you know, so I talked about this this really uh, not well maintained old apartment building where 
my you know roommates Nate and Vern. You know, and I, we lived in this place. It was like seven hundred dollars a semester for all of us. I mean, it was it was so run down, but it was like great for like you know twenty year old college kids. And uh, my the people upstairs were like always kind of loud and stuff like that. And my one roommate Nate was always like yelling at him and stuff like that. So um, I took a knife. And I stuck it in our door with a note of saying, like, you know, do not, eh, whatever, like, don't complain and stuff like this, the landlord. And then, uh, but my one roommate was in on the deal, um, Vern, and my other roommate, Nate, um, who actually sent a letter to the landlord through the little Dropbox thing of saying, like, hey, these people are being. So, like, uh, I, I came back and I'm opening the door. I'm like, holy smokes, like, there's a knife in our door and there's like a letter. And then I'm like, and Nate was just like freaking out. But then, like, he freaked out too much. He's like, I'm going to have to call the police. I'm like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Just kind of think through this here, let's, buddy. Let's be middle of the road about it. <laughs> let's be middle of the road. Because <laughs> Vern was like, oh, God, we don't want Nate to call the police because we're just trying to, like, freak him out here a little bit. So then, like, I talked him down. I'm like, I don't know. And then I said, let me go up and talk to them. I mean, let me handle this. I'll take care of it. I'm like, but, dude, you got to lay off. You cannot be sending letters to the landlord anymore. And we never told him, like, it was a joke. But yeah, he's he's totally, you know, Nate's like six four too, like really athletic and stuff like this. I'm like, dude, you just just let me handle it. Cause like you are on the brink here. This is Russia and Ukraine that's happening right now. Like you you've got to take it down. But yeah, he wrote this big letter to the to the landlord and shoved it through the little box where you're supposed to pay your rent. I did a mean mean <laughs> I did a mean prank similar where I sent my wife a picture of the cat and in the background, it was a doorway through the, like in the background of our house was a doorway way in the back. And I put in one of the goat you can get, there's an app I downloaded where you can superimpose a ghost into okay. it. And so I kind of made it like small, a small background ghost in the doorway and she never noticed it. And then, so a, a few days later I had to bring it back up and let her like have her look at the picture again so she would maybe find it the second time i had her look at it and she dropped her phone and oh, she wanted to get out of the house right away just, it was this little girl ghost like a, <laughs> a, a girl in like an old dress like an old old-fashioned looking dress it was right. like that was fun so that you can get an app that can like superimpose ghost things and if you don't try and make it the center of the photo like for free it was actually kind of convincing photoshop Oh my God. For, that is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I'm totally uh, down. I'm a for. baby. I don't like to be messed with though. So I don't mess with other people too much. Yeah. I, I try not to, especially the older I get when I was younger, I did. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, the older I get, I don't mess with uh, people. So I think, which is, which is a good, I'd have to think if I, Oh, so, so you'll appreciate this. So I'm having a, a concrete pad on the side of my garage replaced um, because it's all cracked. I think like the dude put it in himself like 30 years ago. And so I wasn't quite sure where my property line ended. So this was back like in August. So all the stuff with the city, they're like, yeah, it might end here. Maybe it's here. So I actually had the city surveyor come out. I had to pay for that. And they marked the property and suddenly my, and my neighbors out there at the time, my property's being marked and he's realizing that his fence and a solid 12 to 18 inches of his property is marked my property. And so like, he's looking 
yeah, and he comes over. He's like, so this is like his property, and the guy's like, yeah, this is his property, and like you know whatever, and and so the the dude leaves, the surveyor leaves, and my neighbor's just like freaking out. He's like, do you, do I have to take the fence down? Like, what's happening here? And I'm like, dude, we're all good. Like, he's younger than I am. I'm like, we're, I just need to know. I'm putting this, you know, cement here. I just need to know where the boundary is. I'm not asking you to take your fence down. I'm fine with just replacing yeah. it where it is. But he was just like beside himself. His wife came home from work. Immediately, he has her come outside and then like, you know, to talk, you know, both of them talk with me or, you know, oh, what wow. do you want to do with this? I'm like, dude, we're good. I'm not, we're, there's, there's nothing bad. Maybe happening he here. did. It sounds like he doesn't <laughs> like the fence very much. Uh, well, the fence does suck, but it's his fence and it sucks. Like he should be a little insecure it. about his fence. Yeah. You don't and, like yeah. The fence is, is pretty lame. Like, uh, but, but yeah, this whole thing, I mean, it was just funny because you want me to take the fence down or I have no idea. And I'm like, dude, like you can't, we're, we're so cool on this. Like, don't, it's not a problem. I just needed to know. Um, but it, it was, yeah, it was, but yeah, I could have made it an issue, um, I, which that's not me, but if uh, I could have had a little bit of fun with them and, and yeah, and that stuff, but, uh, I was like, God, Oh, one of my, one of my other neighbors, like they were out on their porch, like it was like 10 years ago and I had a, you know, like a laser pointer and I would like shoot it up in the trees and, then like the one guy is like, hey, like what's that light up there? And his wife be like, that's just taillights from out on the road. I'd be like, no, it's not. That's not taillights. And then like she couldn't see it because she's facing him. And then eventually, you know, like he'd be like, there's something up there. Like it's there's a light that's shining up there, and and it's just me. You know, I'm doing it from like the backyard. And you know, the, it's an elderly couple or neighbors. It, should, it sounds kind of like bad that I'm saying this, but but <laughs> then, uh, shining in their eyes, and you're okay. <laughs> And, and then, uh, and then she gets up and she's she goes to the end of the porch and she's like, "There's nothing over here." And the moment she sits down, and this guy's like, "There it is again," and I'm just having so much fun. I'm just, yeah, it. Oh my god. Um, anyway, yeah, that was that was just hilarious. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I used to do a lot of pranks when I was younger. A lot of pranks. Um, I would. I was what's called a, a student ambassador at the university. So I would, I would give people tours like new students or new faculty, prospective faculty, give them tours. And, and the, the town, the university was, there was a mountain in the town and I would give people a tour and I'd say, yeah, this is a inactive volcano. And I'm like, the strange thing is, you know, people like build homes around it and they've kind of relaxed the building codes because it really hasn't been active for quite a few years. But but actually, this is a really bad scenario because like all of this is really close. And then people be like from Kentucky, they'd be like, what? Be like, yeah, it's an inactive volcano. So we'd like drive up to it is not, it's just like a piece of granite, right? It's called Granite Peak. Um, and and one time I got called in by the dean the day after they interviewed someone for a job, and the dean said, Yeah, let me I have a question for you, David. Why would the person we interviewed believe that Granite Peak is a dormant volcano? Can you help and enlighten me on that? I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of what I was telling him it was a volcano. He's like, don't do stuff like that. So I'm like, okay. I thought it was a hell of a story though. And and so then guys, yeah, it was so he's a little hazy, right? <laughs> he's then he's like, he's really then he then he's he's saying, well, why do all these homes down here? I'm like, yeah, it's strange, but I'm like, and it's a thing, like it hasn't erupted in like 200 years. So, you know, like they people want to build homes and 
I'm like, I don't understand it either. You know how this all works, but I'm like, I'm just telling you, it's kind of, it's bizarre, right? To have like the university located the base of volcano. He's like, yeah, it's a damn, that's a weird thing. So yeah, okay. probably cost him a lot of great talent during the two years I was there. Like every, everyone that they were going to hire, they're like, I'm out of here. I can't handle the volcano. Yeah. It's too dangerous. <laughs> I love this. I'm like, there's, and I'm like, there's, there's like a lot of locksmiths around here. Like it had every, it checked every box, but the volcano thing was, was a no deal. So they're like, I don't know. How the hell do you deal with that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I live like seven miles from here and I'm kind of like uphill. So lava, you know, pretty, pretty safe. But I don't know. Big problem. And so, uh, John, uh, any voodoo that could have been the chicken bone outside your door, um, yeah. careful about adverse possession after 20 years and God forbid anyone moves in. I don't know what that is. Adverse possession. Maybe she means like it, the actual house being the, the thing. I don't know what's up with that, John. John Rice. So, um, voodoo is how my child was conceived. Yikes, uh, Martin. The only demon that scares me. <laughs> Whoa, Hillary Clinton. What about, oh my goodness. What about uh, who is Klaus Schwab's the scary demon today? Right. Yeah. Holy smokes. Um. Yeah, it is. It is so weird. If we want to, um, you know, venture off. I don't know what your thought is on kind of the whole political stuff going down, but I'm like, for me, you know, this is very strange. For I, I lived through the fall of the Soviet Union. I interviewed Nikolai Razvayu, the Soviet cyclist. He's in my book. Um, he biked outside of of Kiev the day after Chernobyl in '86. So. Um, but I, I think what's happening right now is so different than any of these things. Um, I can't believe, uh, I can't believe how much they just lied today in parliament. I listened to, right. I listened to, I, first of all, I watched hours and hours of their protests. Like, I mean, probably 20 hours of, of live footage and, and multiple feeds and, and then uh, I listened to Parliament talk about it all day today. They were just—it was nothing but lies. I can't believe they voted that for, to pass that for another thirty days. Right. It's—it's it's so unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. So the, you know the Emergency Act, uh, Powers Act. So it's like, and where does that end? And and so yeah, thinking about that, Canada, you know. If, as maybe both of us do. I mean, living in, in the northern U.S., but I have a number of friends in Canada. So they're kind of like, holy smokes, this is really different like for us, you know, too. And um, one of the one of the people I interviewed in the book, Robert Travis, uh, lifeboat, uh, rooftop uh, life rafts, uh, his business was in Canada. He got out like two years ago because he could kind of see where things were going, moved to Texas and relocated his business. And then also, um, yeah, the Soviet Ukraine stuff, um, you know, I have friends that live in, you know, the Soviet, well, in Russia and then also in Ukraine. And, and I'm like, yeah, you know, the, the whole, this, this stuff is much more dangerous than what people think. Like, you know, the whole nuclear aspect to this is, is there's, there's much more, <laughs> there's much more to this that could, could escalate very rapidly. And I don't think, I mean, some people realize that and some people don't, but that whole Ukraine area is very dangerous um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at this of saying, I, I don't know where, where things will go. I don't, I don't remember anything this unstable in my yeah. entire life, actually. 
What I think is so interesting is their polling. And when you're having a discussion on the news or you're having a discussion in Parliament, it seems like they fall back on public opinion a lot. But it's not like a public vote. It's like they're just they're just trying to always say, like, this is what most people think. And you're like, really? I'm am I really the fringe minority? Right. It's a re- are, like where do well, how do most people think? You know, like, is that really how most people? it seems like the game now is always trying to tell you how most people think like you're not normal because this like most people think this agree with us and agree with most people. It's I feel like there's a really, really heavy emphasis on weird like public polls that aren't that are just cherry picked. I, I think that's the weirdest thing going on that nobody ever says, well, who cares what your poll says? Like there's no, there was no security behind it. That's like your cherry picked results. I feel like we're not, we take that uh, answer too often as a serious answer. When in my opinion, it's really a non answer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, I've, I've always questioned surveys. Um, and as a researcher, I never put a lot of weight in surveys because I could quickly identify like seven ways surveys were flawed. But um, yeah, f- now now we have right where if if this is what is portrayed as like this is what people are thinking, and if you're not thinking that, then you're not only wrong, but like we need to you're hateful, you, right? You're hateful, and we forget. And I, I actually have this in my book that comes out April 11th. Um, in December of 2020, after the election, remember AOC w- was asking for truth and reconciliation committees to let's document everybody who ever contributed to the Republican Party, right? <laughs> and let's, you know, make these people accountable. And and that was a thing. I mean, that kind of stuff was happening. And now it's kind of happening again. Like everybody who's donated $5 to, you know, the, the trucker thing through, you know, go send get or whatever. And let's figure out who these people are and put their names public and their addresses. And it's like, holy smokes. And they left it up to the banks to decide, too, which is the other thing. And so what was it like over 200 people got their accounts frozen? And then it's up to the banks to to just come up with some vague reason. And then once they do that, then they give your info to the government. Like That's the requirement. So they they basically the banks were... The government just washed their hands of all accountability and gave it to the banks. Yeah, that was totally it. Of, of yeah, and yeah. So you have this this weird quasi power that now the banks have, and and they can make these decisions. So this this whole thing is so um, bizarre. And as I was writing, you know, so again, I've got you know, lost of information coming out April eleventh, which is a is a book that is like right there on the fringe of like, you know, with the publisher and all that, like, will we release it or will we not release it? Because good it for you. Right. Good, in the good f- for you. That's the perfect place to be. That's where. Yeah. <laughs> and that's through a traditional publisher, Josh. I mean, so, I mean, they had a lot invested in it and as I did, right. You know, like financial eye of time and um, you know, as 471 endnotes, So it's really thoroughly cited and it's going to, the moment it hits, I mean, it's already, you know, becoming kind of a lightning rod because I, in the first, um, you know, 
fifth of the book, I address essential versus non-essential, right? Like, what was that all about? All of us got up one day and we were deemed essential versus non-essential without any input to that, no due process. And then um, now it's not essential, non-essential, it's essential or inessential. Yeah. Um, and can you be, can you be disappeared? And actually, you know, the book gets into that toward the end of, you know, yeah. are we hitting this point where we're just going to be tracked in social credit? And I, kind of and I'm so disconnected from that group think that I didn't even think to ask if I was essential or non-essential. I just kept working and it. I figured if somebody stops me, we'll cross the bridge in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and the, you know, so here we had, um, a local uh, small business for, uh, engines and, you know, leaf blowers and generators, stuff like that. Been around for like 30, 40 years. They were deemed non-essentials. They had a close. So I took a picture of the door. It's in my book, but it's like the same stuff they were selling, like the Home Depot 20 miles away was still open. They could sell. Right. But yep. the small and the small business places like, well, we can, you know, we can regulate. So we can bring the stuff outside and social distance and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, it was really weird. The whole essential versus non-essential, which I think people glossed over and they missed how important that was like that will, how much of a wedge that drove in society. Yeah. It was also weird that, um, and how arbitrary it was, but I interviewed, uh, Jonathan Berger a couple of weeks ago on the show, we were talking about truckers and this was before the Canada trucking, you know, um, protests. This was just talking about trucking in the U.S. in during the pandemic, start of the pandemic of like, okay, so waysides were shut down, shut down, truck stops, and you know, so truckers really had a hard time. I mean, they had a hard time before this, but where do you find a place to go to the bathroom, stuff like this? So we were working through some of these things, and and he was telling me like, you know, if you park and along, you know, like a ramp to interstate or something, there's no place to park. You know, you wake up, you get a $200 fine on your window and stuff like that. And during the pandemic, there's like all these, there's no places to park because everybody's just driving. And, um, but when that show hit 225 views, like it, it never got another view after that. <laughs> it was just, it got shut down. It didn't, he could promote it. I could promote it. And I'm like, that thing just got blacklisted and was gone. Sure. Um, like that, it was so weird. And again, it wasn't about protest. It was about the logistics of, um, yeah. How do for truckers, what are, what are some things like, I, like we were talking like, what if counties would have opened up their fairgrounds? Like where I live, we're, the, we are the county seat. We're on an interstate. We have a fairground. We could have opened up the fairground and had 30, 40 semis there overnight. Right. I mean, like for a month or two, like we could have done this. So we're kind of just talking about these things, but it, it was weird because that show got, got tagged. And, um, but yeah, I, I feel, um, fortunate, you know, that the book is, is coming out when it is and, you know, it has a lot of m momentum behind it, but it is, it is one of those, uh, I, I had Kevin Dalton wrote an endorsement for it. He's running for mayor of Los Angeles. And I think his endorsement was, um, you're going to be either informed or infuriated by the, that by the way that David portrays the pandemic playbook and like that's on the back cover. I'm like, Holy smokes. And, but I did have one, um, I did have an image of one, one city that had a reporting website for COVID um, gathering violations. And um, they wouldn't allow that to be published. They would have challenged that, 
even though it was on their website, like I took a screenshot. So I had to take it out of the book because I didn't want to deal with legal stuff and the publishers like it's got to be gone. But yeah, it is. I don't know. It's just kind of a weird thing. But yeah, um, Canada, Canada right now is just um, to me is, is just so weird to wrap I, my mind around. My heart was like, send the Marines up there. And get get rid of that tyrant. But then I was then I had to take a step back, and I was like, "What? That's not how you're supposed to think, Josh. You're you're thinking like a terrorist right now, right? 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 Like that's how that's that's where they grouped me because I I sided, sided with the Canadian conservatives. They would have they would have thrown me in the lot with the bad guys just for just for feeling like uh, that act was a little bit extra. Well, right. Yeah, the any opportunity to um, come to a forum and question things is is kind of gone right now, and you know I find that in school boards. So I you know I teach these superintendent classes and and you know I'm like, geez, there's a lot of stuff going on in the country where people will come in, they'll question things, and they'll just be shut down, or else the police will escort them. Out. And I'm like, they're not threatening you. Like they're asking a question of like, you know, whether it be a mass mandate or social distancing, how are you enforcing this? Or like, I took this picture out at a recess and it doesn't seem like kids are socially distanced. Can you help me understand this? And it's like, out of here, like your time is done in the police. I'm like, that, that would have never happened 10, 15 years ago. I mean, again, these aren't people coming in who are threatening people who, you know, you can see their hands. They have everything. You know, they're they're presenting. They're they're not. It's kind of if you present something that people disagree with, they want to shut you down. Not only shut you down, they want to destroy you. Like end your career, dox you, yeah. will never work again. Um, so it is it is a strange, um, yeah, time that time that we live in, and I've never seen it be kind of this as punitive as it is right now. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, where that takes us, but I don't know, you know, again, your, you know, your perception on this and, but, uh, I have, I can't, I have nothing else to contribute for you this evening, except for I'll, I'll wrap it, wrap up what I did. I'd say, uh, for your security one oh one tip, no, you can have a deadbolt installed, even if you lack the hole for it. Um, and if you do have it installed, please make sure you have three inch screws, uh, your automotive security tip. If you have a, those Hass padlocks you can put on are great if you have tools. If you're a trades guy, use the Hass padlocks because your car locks can just get punched in. Uh, so use use the shackles if you can. The the padlocks. Uh, what else? Uh, avoid the scams by looking for the fifteen and twenty dollars service calls. Uh, be a Karen if you're at your place of employment or if you. If you're sketched out, the only way you're ever going to know if somebody's supposed to be there or not is just by talking to them. At least you have a chance if you stop somebody and ask them what they're doing. That was my number one thing. I thought people's behavior okay. was lacking, was being afraid you're going to inconvenience somebody because you, you, you're afraid you're going to what? You're going you're gonna to annoy them? Well, don't be. And not if it's a school or, uh, or something that you care about. You know, Don't be. Don't be afraid to challenge somebody's by asking them just what they're if, if if that's your place and you're in charge of that security please by all means miss talk to people 
Ask them what they're doing. Nobody ever does that. Everybody's afraid of doing that. And I'm happy if, if you were to anybody who stops and says, what the hell are you doing? I'm happy to just say I'm a locksmith and nice to talk to you. And that's fine. Thanks for checking. I, I respect people yeah. that, that check me for what I'm doing. And then when people walk by like this, like, oh, my God, I don't want the confrontation. I'm like, <laughs> what are, you wouldn't be working on for me. Like, come on, stand up for my business and, and show some initiative. I don't know. So be wow. a Karen and have a deadbolt and uh, pray for Canada. Three inch uh, nails, three, uh, inch, three, nails. three inch screws, uh, you yeah. know, to and uh, deadbolt and and you know, lighting, right? Automatic, um, you know, that's so easy to get a hold of these days. Um, yeah, the lights that, that flip on and, and light up your area, making your place nothing stands out when you're driving by. I say, holy smokes, like, um you know, that place is pretty fancy or, you know, some stuff uh, that brings attention to it. Right. When you talk about locks, is this what you're talking about? These D-ring shackles or something? I'm, I just brought up. I don't anti- know what that is for. Okay. I'm trying to bring up. You, you said something about car locks. Oh, uh, there's that. Have you ever seen this? The puck locks on, on vans and stuff like that? Padlocks. Look up a, a puck, puck lock. We'll come up with it. Uh, no. All right. Okay. So, yeah. Um, let me bring it up here. So, right there? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, so the locks can actually be punched in. If I stuck a flathead screwdriver in your car door lock, uh, once, I, once I push that into the door, if I, if I push your lock into your door, then, you know, I can do whatever I want with it. Then I can move it up. I can move it down. I can move it left. I can move it right. Once I push your door lock in, then I, it's loose in your door. I can wiggle it whichever way I want till that door is open. And those locks will protect. If anybody here is in the trades or that's about the only way you can lock your car up. Okay. And then if you notice that van's even got metal screens in the windows. So those are great too. So I... There is no automotive security other than that. I'd say if you're a work guy, get them. Gotcha. Good. Um, and okay. So if anybody wants to learn more about you or contact you or they're like, Hey, I'm in, I I'm in the greater I'm uh, Minnesota. Area. No, I'm not here to advertise. I'm okay. I don't know. I thought maybe I'd be able to contribute a few things, although I, I will say I wish I prepared better as I could have done a better job if I would have if I would have written some things down. I regret that. And if I... anybody else is ever going to be on your show, uh, if you're thinking about writing it down, I'd recommend it because I wasn't able to wing it as effectively as, as I would have liked to. But... I think you're being too hard on yourself, my friend. I Well, that's one thing that I am all the time. I thought th- so I thought the show was par for the course for me. Was was uh, was great. Yeah, I thought we had a, a terrific discussion. We have definite takeaways from this. Um, so yeah, and no, thank, uh, I appreciate. It. So you know, we talked about what you know what a locksmiths do. I mean, I'll tell you, I had, I thought there was some very sophisticated registry in all fifty states, and you know all of these things, and to know that that's kind of a state by state thing, and and actually, like you said, Minnesota, it's it's not nearly to that degree. Um, you know, the home security tips, uh, you know, we had some really cool stories, uh, to go with that. And then, um, 
Yeah, I mean, just just advice for people. Hey, you know, spend this fifty dollars on Amazon. Keep it in your garage. Down the road, it might save you a couple hundred dollars or more. Uh, so yeah, I had, and then even like going in online and looking in my area for locksmiths, I, I found yeah a couple right that are just of the scam guys. Of the crazy. scam guys, you never knew they were there, but they're there the whole time waiting for you. They were they were waiting for you, and you're going to interface with them at like the worst point in your. Yeah. Not the worst point, but you're going to be stressed out and stuff like that. So Yeah, and it's not us because when you when they come and mess with somebody like you or me, well, well we got a chance to stand up for ourselves. But maybe grandma doesn't, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. So this is from Martin Easing. Uh, good show, great guest. Thank you, Martin. Thank you. So, yeah, That's absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, Heath and... Uh, so, yeah, I appreciate it. And everybody um, here. So this is Heath Nightall. Thank you, Josh. Uh, great show as always. Uh, so thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, this, this is a wonderful show. Um, I learned a lot from this. And, yeah, things, I mean, when you offered to be on the show, I was like, yes. I mean, this is an area I just don't I thought you'd ask about. me some school security questions, School, yeah, school security question. Didn't, well, you I write a, didn't you write a school security book? School of Airs? Is that about school security or am I judging the book by the cover? So here's the book and here's its cover. <laughs> so um, School of Airs is, is mostly about the mindset that you can fortify your way to safety. So through bollards and surveillance cameras and bulletproof film stuff. And I argue in the book and say, that's not the reality, right? Um that the best way to prevent is to invest in your identification systems, your threat identification systems. Most kids will tell you if they're going to harm other kids. So how, what's your system for kids reporting? And and if you think you're going to spend your way to safety, you're probably not going to get there. Yeah. Cause people are focusing on material items to save the day. And you're saying, yeah. no, you need to be present in the moment and pay attention to the things people are saying. So it was a crazy, I mean, it's, so this book is, is in hundreds of libraries across the world. I think I get notified when it shows up in different places. Brigham Young bought it, Illinois University bought it, Baltimore um, Public Library bought it last week. But um, Yeah, well, I 100% agree that the people are the yeah. security and not yeah. the locks. It So you, you're all your own locksmith. I mean, the lock doesn't matter. It's your attitude. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's a great way to put it, right? Yeah. You, because these systems fatigue, the human side of them fatigues. If you're right, not a Karen saying, you know, excuse me, you know, uh, who are you? Um, why are you here? Uh, you know, please show me some identification or just wait a second. I need to call back to right district office or I need to call whatever. And, and suddenly, right, that's <laughs> going to unravel pretty fast for somebody and they're going to exit out of that situation. You can show I that Casper Carr movie as your training video because <laughs> that will literally show people what is, you know. Yeah, oh that's God. a good training video. If you can if you could stop a guy like Casper Carr, then your security is perfect because that guy is impossible to stop. That is, yeah, that is amazing. Um, wow. Oh, Okay. So anything else here before we close, Josh, I want to, I'm surprised we went you. this long to be honest. I, I can't <laughs> believe I talked to you. I can't believe there's enough in there to go. Well, that's great. There, there's a lot. And what I'm going to do is, um, 
uh, here's the tip of the day from Heath, uh, dip phone books in concrete. I don't know what that means, but um, what I will do as always is tomorrow I will write the blog post for this show and this will be rendered on audio on Podbean. So it'll be out leveled audio on, on Podbean and then the blog post uh, where we'll have some of these pointers uh, from today will be out. And that will all be out by the end of tomorrow. I'll put that out on Twitter and so forth. But again, Safety PhD, which you see in the corner with my name, is where to find all 170 um, shows of the Safety Doc dating back four years. And then also the blog posts that go, go with those. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be out tomorrow. And looking forward to it. If I have power, because this ice storm coming in, we'll see. It's a little iffy. Um, thankfully, I heat my house with wood and... Uh, what if the power goes out, they'll still be warm, but all right. Well, I want to thank you again, uh, Josh. And, uh, this is, uh, zero tolerance is BS though. Doc. Oh, all right. So yeah, well, Jim, I didn't, you got to read my book because my book, I think we'll, we'll get into where, what you're thinking right there, buddy. Um, so thank you so much, uh, Josh, for being on the show. Uh, stay warm in the greater Minnesota area and uh, keep doing what you're doing. This was a great show. Thank you for giving me your time tonight. Sure. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. Thanks, buddy. Bye now.